welcome back to the Couch Command. Uh, with me today, I have MJ. Greetings and salutations. Thanks for having me back after right. my longtime listener, first time caller episode last time. <laughs> Glad to have you back. And also, I have with me Isaac from Lobster Man Magnet Reviews on YouTube. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be here. So, yeah, uh, since last we recorded, uh, there's been like apocalypses and crazy shit happening in the entertainment industry. And I think we're chopping at the bit to talk about the uh, Discovery HBO apocalypse. Um, where would you like to start? Oh my God. Uh, Isaac. Can, can I just give a summary? Uh, so Please. basically, there was this $70 million Batgirl movie. Uh, there are two narratives that are going uh, here. There's well, the narrative. Uh, I've heard different estimates. You're you're right. It might be 90 million. I've heard 100 million. I've heard 70 million. I've heard 90 million. I think the narrative right now is 90 million. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so so basically the narrative about the the movie is twofold. The one is that the conservative narrative is that the movie was so dog shit um, that uh, they they just uh, wanted to cut their losses and not put it out, not damage the DCEU, uh, just move forward with whatever the new post-merger uh, branding is going to be. And then the, the, cons- uh, you know, cons- or the, the, the sort of more liberal narrative is that, um, you know, you're suppressing um, uh, the uh, race-swapped uh, Barbara Gordon. Uh, you're suppressing the uh, two directors who are both uh, people of color, and you're kind of throwing these people under the boat to appease the Snyderverse uh, people, or that that like the, and also the narrative, uh, yeah, is just that like this is a terrible look. This is showing it. Uh, so conservatives are kind of like celebrating, you know, the go woke, go broke, and that David uh, Zasloff, the new president mm-hmm. of Discovery slash Warner Brothers, is basically he's he's cutting off the fat he's getting things in order he's only getting shit that works uh and it's time to kind of like get rid of these sort of um sort of pandering fluff that uh, they'd have to spend another 50 million dollars uh into it and it's also a big deal because michael keaton was supposed to be in it maybe it was a multiverse story um so it's and it's also this like harbinger of like greater like media culture in the sense that like um you know, one point that they they want to merge uh, Discovery Plus and uh, HBO Max, which to me seems like a terrible idea to like just pollute all of the um, you know scripted okay. programming and the legacy that HBO has by just like dis- putting all the dreck on Discovery. And oh my God, uh, let me see if I can find it. Uh, just there was this like um, slideshow Discovery Plus. Uh... HBO. Well, well, g- give your thoughts, and then I'll let you know when I find this. Oh wait, here we go. Here we go. Okay, so <laughs> there's this corporate slide, probably from a PowerPoint oh, uh, yeah. deck. Unique and complimentary HBO Max <sighs> mail skewed, scripted, lead in appointment viewing, home of fandoms. Discovery Plus, female-skewed, unscripted, lean-back comfort viewing, home of genredoms. How 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 do I just fillet myself in front of everyone with how culture is currently? This is how you do it. Like I get what they're doing, and they're not—they're probably not wrong. But like, same as out loud. Like, have you guys not? Have they not been paying attention to the internet for the last eight years? Yeah, Jesus fucking Christ! <laughs> like the shows are all male dominated. <laughs> you know what? They might be, but like structuring it like that—that—that's that, just like. Every 
freaking person who wants to step into the SJW ring has just this put like a massive target right on their forehead. You, 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 yeah, you, you just basically like put it out there. I like, I, I don't know how <laughs> you would say? like put this out there. And that's why, you know, Zlasloff is kind of becoming like the conservative hero because he's like, yeah, he's saying no more, no more. He's taking it back. Yeah. And, and I want, I want to clarify for the audience of, I think, I think potentially 100 people, which, you know, I'm actually cool with and impressed. Um, I would say that uh, when we say liberal and conservative, we're taking in like general broad strokes of like how it's seen because like there are people on both sides of the spectrum that also still feel the same way. Like I'm liberal myself and like I was at first thinking that Dave Lezaslav might be a champion and I do want them to stop with the trying to gender swap the mainstream of DC because they feel that's popular to do now. Um, but like, yeah, the, 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 there's the, do you guys watch the movie Bob at all? I, I do. I haven't watched him recently, but did he have yeah. an interesting take? Yes, he did. Like he, he has really put me off. Cause like, yeah, he has his own, like, you know, really I think pretty was, ravaged takes on things. It's funny. I thought he did like a really good job a couple years back of like yeah. kind of being objective saying, this is the right wing. This is the left wing. Uh, and I, here's my cent- center left take. Well, now he's kind of like moved towards the um, hyper. Yeah, hyper left a little bit more. Yeah, like toxically unfortunate. Like, yeah, he was one of the greatest. Like, he made me smarter every video. And then The Last Jedi came out. And then he started being really snarky and condescending toward his audience. Saying, the funniest thing about don't... him. Oh, so, yeah. sorry, finish your thought. Oh, I was going to say, like, he was like, yeah, you just don't like it because it's a girl. I'm like, oh, dude, what happened to you? What's going on? That seems and... to be the real narrative of many of the YouTube uh, essayists lately is just like the critical drinker for example i mean he keeps harping on that whole angle too it's like okay guys we get it it's it's crawled under your craw you're a little bothered by it does it have to dominate everything that you put out on your channel i mean i i, 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 I up a little bit uh so back to the movie bob yeah i, I fell out of his stuff because like he just went pretty sour but like he also revealed that there are tiny things going on in the background of his life like he lost his dad, so like oh. there's some aspects of like what has happened to him is I understand. So life's hard, um, but he did drop down a, a very mad. He was mad as fuck video about what's going on. <laughs> so um, what was his take? I'll probably have to watch it after t- this, but um, keep going. His, his main point that uh, we all should be aware of is like, yeah, your savior, David Zaslov, the guy who saved Discovery by creating Honey Boo Boo. You know, this is the guy that's gonna save you. And like, oh yeah, you guys. Are, I hate like what they like. This guy, he really did come into to make Discovery TLC and all the other bullshit successful. He turned into reality show trash. So yeah, we are starting to get like the guy who did that merged with HBO Max, which to everyone's surprise, we thought that was just going to be another throwaway streaming service. But like everybody kind of says, like that's like the top tier of quality. It feels like it's interesting. Um, over the my my vacation, um, I guess he's technically my stepbrother now. Um, 
uh, I was like hanging around with him, uh, talking about, uh, and he like uh, works in development, um, at a company that like represents like uh, Adam Wingard and a bunch of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was like uh, kind of reflecting on, you know, I was telling him about the HBO Max. He's like, uh, I, I think it'll be fine. And then he was getting more nervous and like, oh, they're talking about cutting the seventy percent of the HBO uh, development force. Uh, but it was interesting to talk to him because he's like more in the nitty gritty in terms of, um, oh. Being like you know in the trenches uh, of these wars, and uh, uh, he didn't give me quite an incredible insight, but he he was like really surprised, and I was telling him, "Uh oh, this might uh, affect you." because like he he was like uh doing development and eh, i probably shouldn't talk too much about this but right. like th- there's a big nerd thing that he's like uh developing which to me sounded like a slam dunk but um it was turned down by a streamer and now he has to shop it around to another streamer interesting yeah um so mj what's your feelings on what's going down it's just playing bottom line cleaning up their ledgers i mean you have yep. to admit for the last 10 years, they've just been throwing, again, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, they obviously hedged a lot of their bets in the Snyderverse, and we all see how that went down, and then the whole Justice League mess. And then, you know, they let Snyder finish the his cut of the Justice League, and then all of a sudden they turn around and said, yeah, we have no interest in continuing with that. I mean, there's a-, a reason, there's, there's a reason that they were so weak again that they were up to be purchased that discovery did acquire them and they're at where they're at now so zaslov coming in and you know starting to take the knife to all these various projects that had in progress even cutting some of the stuff that's long standing like there's rumor now that doom patrol and titans are going to be cut from hbo max and canceled i mean it, it doesn't surprise me at all they have just been a raging shit show for the better part of 10 years now so it makes it only makes sense that they start contracting and trying to get things under control again. Yeah, oh, that I, was I think it's unwise oh, to take the hook to Batgirl, though. I mean, it was basically finished. Just get the damn thing out. Get some return on your investment there. That's oh. just stupid. That was the insight that he gave me that I could share with you. Uh, you know, the stepbrother guy. Um, he uh, said that HBO Max he views as kind of like winning the streaming wars right now, just because they have. The perception of better quality, better talent in the HBO backlog, um, which goes a long way. Uh, so he thinks they're kind of like in the best position out of all the streaming uh, services. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, then, the, yeah. So with Batgirl, um, like all of the screenshots I saw from it did look very bad. Like I, I, I was seeing what looked like uh, lower than um, fan, fan film. No, no, not fan. Uh, definitely better than fan film, but lower than Marvel uh, MCU TV. Like it, it, it was looking kind of like television. Yeah, it was looking like it was a television production. And then, like, you can't have Michael Keaton come back and have it look like that. Michael Keaton is too huge for it to look like that. Um, but what I'm how hoping, many of those, and, how many, sorry, well, I got to finish real quick. Uh, I want to say what I'm hoping and begging for is, please, God, please, just uh, release it as. Under a special brand called Elseworlds, so we can see it. Uh, MJ, that would be great if they actually would go with Elseworlds because I'd love to see a what if esque series from them based off all the old Elseworlds stories they used to do. Because I love you can get away with anything, any tone you want to, any universe you want to, any fuck up you want to. 
and just have it Elseworlds and have the new main brand be something else, which is what I hear is um, another thing that is what Zaslav is probably wanting to do, but will break my heart because uh, Henry Cavill is an astounding Superman. But um, I hear like what they really want is not the mess that was created. They want to start from the like, like they want to start from the, 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 the beginning again. They want to make sure they can craft it from the big, the top to be quality and they want to do a Superman and they want a Superman that they can say, um, your ass is mine for 10 years. I don't give a fuck what else you want to do. And Henry Cavill's now too strong and powerful to do that with. So you, you think he has too much, uh, you know, super, uh, whatchamacallit clout to like be pushed in that position? I think so. Like, um, so while he hasn't drop and he can just go do Geralt for another couple of years with Netflix. Could he? Uh, like, is that, does he have a guaranteed, se- uh, season three? Yeah, season three is uh, from what I heard is definitely happening. I wouldn't be surprised if they milk another season out of that too, because it's amazing the following that series has gotten. But. He's got he's got star power. Like he's got a look and a presence that has been untapped. So either he has the power for Marvel, which sounds like they're kind of inching toward him, uh, or they could like bank on him for like a final Superman movie. Because like I think uh, DC is definitely heading toward a some kind of crisis event that they're going to use to reboot everything. So, and I just heard uh, that's what MCU is doing right now. That's why everybody's dissatisfied because like we're in the place setting episodes. Well, uh, here's the, the, the the big uh, sort of question though, is that um, I thought the flash point was supposed to be the place setting. Uh, (laughs) You motherfucker. I'm so mad. I, I, I have waited my entire life to see Michael Keaton back in action. I love when he was like going to pull off the greatest uh, of the tarp off the greatest Batmobile ever made. And he just couldn't help himself. Did he just want to choke him? Like, shut up, dude, just go home and just order sushi every day and enjoy your life. You're rich. Stop fucking up. Leave the kids alone. Yes, dude. Is it that hard? You, nothing else you could do. You can't think of anything else to do with your money. You just want like what you call it, special well, services to come in, settle them down, and for the love of God, please, uh, just just let me get my Michael Keaton Batman. Let me yes. get the, the twenty minutes of screen time of two hundred million dollar Michael. I don't Keaton care Batman. what he wants. You put him in a bathtub of champagne and, and and serve him whatever he wants, and just massage him every time he says he wants to do something crazy, like pop another like strawberry in his mouth. Just, just you. If only yeah. simple. The, the thing is that's become obvious with mm-hmm. when it comes to Ezra Miller is he needs help. Yes. There's something going on with him. He needs help. And if, oh. if there's one thing that they should be using aside from the reportedly good feedback that the test audiences are giving on the Flash movie, because apparently WB is testing on its audiences right now to see mm-hmm. if it's even viable as a release, is they turn around and they use any of the money from the movie to just help Miller get some help because he's got he's got outstanding um restraining orders against him in two states from families that are trying to get him away from their kids Mm -hmm. i mean there's something seriously going on and he just he needs to turn himself in and just get some help and admit that he needs help i was gonna say what it seems like is like um yeah if we're gonna be serious about like fame madness like like uh up to this point he has been treated as a darling in, in Hollywood so that like 
he's had a sphere around him that has never really demanded that he needs to act right. Um, he he has had so much fortune up to this point that like, why would he get help for himself from his point of view? Uh, yeah, until like now his career is about to come to an end. He lose all of his power, so maybe that'll get him to slow the fuck down, get a therapist, and please. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that'd be the best thing for him. Just get out of the game and get yourself right. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that 100%. He, he mm-hmm. does need to, like, get the fuck out. Uh, needs help. And it, it's interesting to see, like, how, how much further is he going to go before uh, he, he's just, like, put into rehab or some kind of psychological help. Uh, although, as a cynical person, I find it endlessly funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, the, the, like, um, how far he's been able to go um, with that, you know, I'm transgender and I'm bind- Did you ever see that clip? Oh, uh, I've not seen the clip. But I have uh, seen like how much adula- uh, adoration he's gotten up to this point that has probably like fueled his brain to think that he is as great as he thinks he is. Yeah, or, he's, yeah he's they like, are. Sorry. That, that he's, he, yeah, he, they, he, they, them. That is always such weird just because they, them feels like you're talking about a plural. Yes, um, it does. <laughs> we're, 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 we're trying to help out with the general public who who's trying to figure out how we should be talking about that. So we should actually just try. We will try. I'm just yes. saying linguistically it feels weird. We'll, yes. we'll see. Maybe Cause, something cause else will come. I kept on proposing using an X where the S should be or might not be. So it would be Z or or Z. Anyway, sorry. I like I've heard the, that before, but okay. I like X's so, Z's. Er, er, anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to trying using his name to see if I can right. get around it. Uh, right. So Urza Miller. Um, uh, kind <laughs> you of said that wrong. <laughs> Ezra Miller, there you go. Um, was like really big, uh, you know, uh, because of you know my non-binary identity, and uh, there are all these videos of him being like taken by cops, and then when he's being taken, he's saying, "I don't want to be ha- handcuffed by a man. I'm oh, transgender, no. non-binary. I'm transgender, non-binary. Uh, don't touch me." <laughs> it's like trying to use that as the ultimate deflection from like facing any kind of consequences, and just like claiming like the KKK is after me. <laughs> Yikes! That person it has does need. I mean, like um, Jared Leto is another example of that he has, mm-hmm. you know, a slightly cult. cultish following around him too, and you know, he absorbs, gets so absorbed into his method acting world around him, and he's another one you really got to worry about. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jared Leto is just kind of like insufferable. Um, it feels like Jared Leto like uh, hasn't committed any crime. I haven't looked into all the wrongdoings outside of the creepy stuff he does for his quote unquote method acting. Yeah, but like he's not a growing around assaulting the, people. Uh, have you ever heard about the thirty seconds to Mars retreats to the tropical islands that occasionally happen? That no, uh, shady stuff goes on on those cruises and. Lord have mercy. He just. He just bathes himself in cult leader adoration. It's really wild. Oh, yeah, let's not get too far off uh, topic because we got to finish out our geeking yep, and sorry. we still have a review. And I want to say like within two hours. All right. Um, yeah, do we have anything else we want to cover on like this DC apocalypse? And oh, I'll say the one thing that I'm, my, I'm begging for is like... Um, for the longest time, there's a guy named Matthew Vaughn who's been a favorite director of mine. Oh, yeah, uh, he, 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 he's really strong. Yeah, he was my. And uh, the, there was a running of him, J.J. Abrams, and I can't remember who else who were supposed to be doing uh, Star Wars. And he was my first pick. And then we went with J.J. Abrams instead. 
be so, Abrams, be gone. Yes. <laughs> but like um Matthew Vaughn apparently has like the greatest Superman trilogy script of all time just sitting around and people have talked about it, seen it, and they're like, holy shit, yeah, if you want to do a definitive. So that is what I'm begging for and hoping for. I want to hear that news that says Matthew Vaughn been tapped. Let's do this. We're going to yeah, turn up. Cavill, I want to see that happen too. I mean, mm-hmm. Cavill physically is the best rep- best encapsulation of Superman I've ever seen on screen. They just got to write Clark Kent a little better. That was the biggest thing I was missing from the Snyderverse movies. You're you're definitely going to say he's better than Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve's the OG. You can't knock him down. It's like Keaton and Batman. Gotcha. So I below mean, the gods of 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 Keaton and Reeves. You're definitely right, Cavill. Like he, I want him to be like the Superman of this age. And like I've even, I even love him. Like I, I've, I've loved the movies, and him in it. Like all the ones that people hate. Like I've always enjoyed. I, I, I love Man of Steel, uh, except for that one part where Superman busts the world engine when he shouldn't have powers. They, they said try this. Harder. Just try harder. You'll be fine. Oh man, that <laughs> yeah, Man of Steel to me is a masterpiece, except for that one part, which is a, a giant finger poke in my eye that hurts still. Um, but yeah, I, my fingers are crossed, and yeah, they're they're looking for their Kevin their Kevin Feige, which thank God like Dave Zaslav doesn't think he's that, so maybe there's hope. But yeah, it, it seems like unexpectedly finding another Kevin Feige is harder than it seems like it should be. All, to me, it seems like all you need to do is have someone who cares about the universe are you doing but i'm trying making a good superman movie again that's all i want to see i don't want to see another freaking batman movie for a while just give bats a mm-hmm. rest just <laughs> on well, i was talking about this with keith about a week or two ago i mean there have been six batman and just in the last like 20 years excuse me 30 years there's mm-hmm. been what three supermen ever on screen i yeah the batman movie like I, I can't I can barely register a response for it. It's just like another one? Okay. Like yeah. Well anyway, um yeah. getting off the generalness, uh Isaac, what have you been geeking on lately? Uh all right. So the most uh, mine is mostly negative stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Um so I'm gonna lead into this stuff, uh, and I'll give you one positive thing that I've really enjoyed. Uh, but uh so I saw the Buzz Lightyear movie and uh what was your opinion, uh, Keith? The Lightyear movie uh, was me hoping that I'd like it because I don't really care that much about Buzz Lightyear and like talking to my friends and their family like they all actually do care about Buzz Lightyear like he's like a, a real character like I, he's never really registered with me as much as like those movies the the Toy Stories were always situations and I enjoyed the experience but if you're like you know do Buzz Lightyear movie and not be Buzz Lightyear I'm going to be okay with that as long as good sci-fi shit movies uh so w- was it a good sci-fi story? <laughs> it was fine. It was only fine. Um, <laughs> the the starship designs were off the goddamn chain. That was amazing. I saw lots of like 1950s homages of like you know, the art they're using. So like all of like the art that I'm seeing on screen is fantastic. The story is so. Um, I think the kids call it mid. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was half baked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I found it really interesting. Like, I mean, it's not terrible. I don't think Pixar makes bad movies. They just, at worst, make mediocre movies that are still kind of watchable. Yeah, uh, kind, kind of like the Marvel Machine. But I, I do think it's a really interesting because you're right. The, the design is fantastic. All the ships look great. It's obviously a huge attention to detail, but um, it, it's totally 
doesn't uh, vibe together because you have like these hyper really cool real detailed designs with like also trying to merge with the shit that's like you know toy story toys and, yeah. and then you also have this, just this really mid story like I, I don't know why like you know buzz lightyear is supposed to be this far, larger than life character the entire story is that they get stuck on a planet and they somehow can't contact star command to get them off the fucking planet yes <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a big part of like so uh where's the rest of the galaxy what what happened to that like um be actively looked for the whole time I mean, that didn't that didn't jive right like the, if you're going on a mission like what the, i saw they should know the direction you're going in right no okay you never reported back nobody sent a rescue probe no they exactly. you know they have all this fucking advanced technology you can't fucking talk you have to use the super it's like such a bad premise that like i cannot believe that like you know the highfalutin harvard um you know ivy league super smart people at pixar decided this is it this is what we're gonna this is our buzz lightyear moment this is what we're gonna gonna do this is what we're gonna base it on versus like a more conventional oh we're gonna go on space mission it's funny because like disney has another movie um called like far wide galaxy or something another disney Hmm. animated movie uh, and it's like, why is this not the Buzz Lightyear movie? Far wide galaxy. Here, let me let me see if I can pull it up. Uh, g- give me your thoughts uh, while I while I find it up. Um, uh, MG, what were you and your kids take? Unlike one of my kids will watch it. <laughs> Ooh, they won't. They they but they'll watch a uh, real Buzz Lightyear. They, stuff. It, my both of my boys. Watched all four Toy Stories. They had, my my uh, youngest particularly loves the Toy Story movies, even still. And you know, those movies have been around since 1995. It's a well-established mm. IP at this point. The impression I got from all the all the trailers leading up to it into the actual movie is this was a mo- just a general sci-fi movie that they painted Buzz Lightyear all over. But then they forgot to keep developing it, so it was its own decent standalone story. It's just a lot of generic, cliched stuff that they've been shoving all the other Disney movies lately, and it's just—it's a lot of missed opportunities. Yeah, yeah here we uh, go. The the movie is called Strange World. I'd recommend, like, you know, not like stopping the podcast, but if you can put it in a tab and just like um play it on mute and you'll see what i mean uh basically it's like this uh diverse uh group of people and they go and explore and it's like this really cool planet with a bunch of weird stuff and and uh and it's like why was that not the buzz Lightyear movie this is exactly what i was okay yeah um mj look this up because this this is exactly what i was thinking they should have done because like while i'm watching i was like okay how much better would this have been if like you weren't bound by uh buzz lightyear iconography and like imagery and you just let you like all these like the staff that was killing it with design let them go wild with oh, yeah, everything we saw the trailer for this that's right yeah, fun <laughs> as yeah this looks like what buzz lightyear should have been and yeah, i've never heard of this that's before uh thor that's right yeah, this is exactly what it should have been. Uh, I don't know why you would limit yourself to what feels like a side story in a video game. Like Buzz has to get off this planet, and they have that emotional moment where he's like going through years doing the stupid tests and the time dilation. And that's supposed to be like the big Pixar make yeah. you cry moment. And, and all the time, I'm just thinking, I don't care. I'm just like obsessed about like um, why you cannot like call someone. Why? 
why cannot E.T. phone home versus like, we have to make the rainbow fuel to get off the planet. And also the stupid reveal that like Zerg is actually an older Buzz. <laughs> oh, because I, I, I had that spoiled for me before I saw it. And I wanted to see like, because there's some lately I've been seeing like, there's been good fiction where spoilers don't matter. So even if you knew the spoiler, when you still see how they did it, yeah, it's still in, like in, holy in, shit. In context, it, it still holds value. It, it's like but the yeah, Bucky this... Barn, the Winter Soldier reveal. People go shock, even though it's like the, the oldest secret in the world because it's it's a revelation to Captain America. So that's why it's like shocking to an audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, sorry, I haven't read the comics. Yeah, yeah. This reveal was um, it just made me smack, smack my lips dryly. Uh, and also, do they do they just royally fuck up their? Uh, their uh time travel like what wait how did this future buzz happen at all i, I don't know he, he, he was... explained in the movie he he basically reversed how he was flying forward he basically warped backwards in time yeah i guess but i don't understand like so, at what point so he sapped all the energy of his um hyper jump crystal so at what point did uh uh buzz prime and future buzz split yeah, that makes sense. That's another big problem with the the movies that like it tries to. It, 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 I think what's really remarkable about Buzz is that it finds that perfect line of like appealing to nobody. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely saw on the screen how hard there must have been several different like people who are trying to hold hard onto this vision they're trying to get, and like there are very smart people involved. But yeah, it ended up being something for no one. Yeah, because like it's a little too high sci-fi for a casual audience. Uh, but it's not high sci-fi enough to like appeal to like someone who'd watch Interstellar or 2001 or mm-hmm. read the Three Body Problem. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's also not like a it's not a, like that good of a fun pulpy adventure story for people who like want more Star Wars. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, you're doing a space adventure where you. Uh... Only stay on the one planet. Um, no, that's not how you do a space ranger story. What I thought was kind of funny is you know, they have that uh placard at the beginning of it back in 1995. Andy watched a movie that sparked his love for Buzz Lightyear. This is that movie. I'm like, that is so tacked on because <laughs> if they were gonna like commit to that whole thing that this was actually the movie that Andy watched back in 1995 and that's why he wanted the Buzz Lightyear figure and you know thus the entire premise of the first Toy Story movie really commit because I've, I've told Keith this before if they wanted to end this movie properly they would have you know shown the big happy ending scene with Buzz and then they'd pull back and they'd have Andy watching the movie in his room mm. with all of his toys gathered there and then they'd pan back and show you know Buzz and Woody's sitting there and Buzz. That would have been cool. And Buzz just turns to Woody and goes, So, what'd you think? Yeah. Woody Woody just turns to him and says, Meow, 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 (laughs) meow. That would have been been fantastic. For me. (laughs) Meow, meow, meow. (laughs) That would have been pretty great. Socks was a cute mascot, uh, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I I think also like the the trying to sell it, like, I I do not, one, this does not feel like a movie that would be made in the 90s, (laughs) Uh, two, I I don't imagine, (laughs) two, uh, this doesn't feel like the kind of movie that would like get a kid so excited that he has to get the 
the figure about, um, about a, a guy. I was thinking about exactly that point, which I was, I was, I was uh, that's a good place to jump in. Where so uh, I was thinking, I was watching. Do you guys watch uh, Spectre Creative? Scott Knightley. Uh, can't heard of, never heard of it. Sorry. He was a guy who ran this uh, toy brand of um, the Masters of the Universe Classics. Um, and he has a YouTube channel where he you know, drops down his like insights of being in the toy industry. So oh, and, like one of the main things about toys is like kids want to buy some person the buy the toy that represents them. So like um, the reason why like you know you don't sell out black characters is because of you know the majority of the people are black and they're still just buying toys not for racism reasons but you know who best represents them. And um, therefore, uh, I was like looking through their characters in the story like. What kid would want to be any one of those characters except for uh, Buzz and uh, the the uh, sidekick girl? Damn, Izzy. Yeah, you don't, there's the only two characters you'd want to be, and there's a gigantically small number of black girls who give a shit about awesome sci-fi. And like, yeah, like my sister was lot. almost one of those kids, and she wouldn't have wanted this. Like. <laughs> Yeah, like the, the the toys they lined up. That like I'm looking at them right now because like, um, what I the way I grew up with toys is like toys. Like I, I was like, um, toys are just representations. So these had to be a good design. So I might actually be picking up some of these light year figures that are fantastically generic enough that they're just spaceship guys and spaceships. But then you look at the other ones of the characters, and it's like these like ugly character. Like they're they're ugly, but like they're Pixar charming character heads. Yeah. On top of body armor that should be from any generic Walmart toy. Wait, well, they also like, the like had like this Watiti character. Come on. <laughs> wait, 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 what was that, MJ? The, you the didn't title care for the generic Taika Watiti character. Was that Taika? Yeah, yeah you didn't recognize his voice. That was Taika. I didn't, and now that makes complete sense. <laughs> um, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. Um, the the Pixar heads do not mesh with like this kind of like yes. war space trooper armor that they're wearing, which I it thought was like weird. <laughs> it was it was like an aesthetic that like it was like an uncanny valley only it was uncanny art art artistic design. Not a single. They're they're, they're very there there's there are charmingly few people, and God bless those people who do want this. But like, there's gonna be like a. There's only like like maybe eight guys on the planet who are like, holy shit, they made me when they see Taika's character. And God bless them. I'm glad they're happy. But yeah, like I don't know what they're going for, uh, especially uh, heavy ordnance grandma. Like, all right. All right. But like I've always been annoyed of that trope since the 80s <laughs> where you have grandma who's always like a skateboarder. And, who's like, secretly badass. Yes. <laughs> I've always rolled my eyes at that, but like you, I, I, then, then like it kind of clicked for me that kind of cute. They're continuing to do it all; they're still doing it. So anyway, yeah. Lightyear, unfortunately, ah, oh God, I want another Treasure Planet uh, situation because, like, when Treasure Planet hit, uh, I cried. It was that's one of my, that's uh, my number one Disney movie. No one got it, and I got it, and I loved that experience. So I thought Lightyear was going to be one of those, but no, Lightyear was mid. Yeah, the Treasure Planet was like this passion project, and there's a lot of interesting stories about like the team w that wanted to do Treasure Planet for years. Oh yeah, um, and it's a shame it didn't hit. Uh, but uh, it's funny that you compare Treasure Planet to Lightyear, which is yeah. So That's all right, so uh, 
um, let me get through a few other things. Yeah. Uh, I, I oh. saw Nope. Um, uh, we won't get too much because I know you want to do a more in-depth discussion, but let me tell yeah. you a funny, funny story. So I went up to Maine for this resort uh, that my dad's family does uh, that they love um, called Quisisana. And so there's a drive-in movie theater, and I'm like, we're going to go see Nope because I, I kind of like learned what the, the big twist. It's not a huge twist, but I, I thought it was a brilliant that like – a twist. I, I love that. I you thought can't that say was... that out loud. There's a, there's a giant spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you we, just we, we've got to get that. Um, we got to get that uh, edited. We'll, we'll we'll beep it. Okay, because... you can beep it. You can beep it in post. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No more spoilers. Yeah. Though. I, I love that element. Yes. I, once I learned that, it's like uh, okay, we we have to see this movie. We have to go see it at a drive through. Um, but the thing about the resort is, is um. They have like shows where the, you know the, all the what you called uh, staff is like Broadway hopefuls, people who study music. So they put on all these shows at night. So you know you don't want to miss the good show. Uh, mm-hmm. You, you want to be cultured. You want to listen to the opera. You want to watch the Dirty Rotten Scoundrels musical. Uh, so we we picked uh, you know I picked this night um, that we're gonna go. They're just doing freaking piano shit. Uh, so you know I get my brother and sister, a few cousins that want to go. Eventually my dad wants to go, uh, but like my sister's like, oh I don't want to leave too early it's the cocktail and i'm just like so <laughs> angry like running out of time we gotta go oh. it's like 30 minutes <clears throat> away so like we're not gonna go but then we are gonna go then my brother put his weight behind me so then we were gonna go so it was like this mad dash of who's getting in the cars let's go to the convoy oh we don't have reception oh we're gonna get there oh god there's this weird hick guy uh, who's scary uh who's giving instructions and oh no my cousin lost his battery power because he didn't do it right with the lights in the drive-in movie theater and it was hard to see the screen so i need to see i need to see nope again but i'm glad i did it because it was you know the drive-in movie theater was kind of like the best way because it is kind of like an homage to jaws um uh, and some people enjoyed it, the, the novelty of like being out under the stars and then like, uh oh, the ship's going to get you. Uh oh, is that the <laughs> ship? Uh, uh, is Jean Jacket going to get you because you're, the, the car, you know, you, you ran out of battery and uh, the car uh, radio went off? <laughs> I'm sorry, just I'm, I'm, I'm be wearing of um, any more spoilers. But uh, yes. Okay. I, but like, uh, yeah, I'm really sorry because I absolutely loved that you're going to see it. And I thought that was like the greatest way possible that one could see it and no apparently um it, it would have been if uh i'd done uh gone to a drive-thru and i knew what the like how, how do you get the car in but i was driving my dad's car which i don't drive that often so i wasn't quite sure what to put the settings so i'm like panicking getting the settings right uh but i mean you're, you're right it is like the perfect vibe to see that movie uh and i really appreciated nope i thought it was a really smart way i, I have a few niggles here and there like i wish a little bit more violence, like a little bit more uh, graphic. Uh- I was going to say really quickly this, that like um, we, since it's so much easier now to do podcasts with like um, like the audience, like we had to do whole, through a whole thing of each of us recording it and whatever. It's a whole thing. So now that's really easier. If you want to, me and you can just like knock out a spoiler like whenever you want to. Okay, uh, I'll think about it. Uh, I, I do want to like try and see it again so I can like give it a fair assessment. But I thought you'd like that story about seeing Nope into yes. the drive-through. I and, loved uh, it, but <laughs> apparently it wasn't as as cool as it could have been. Apparently, well, you know when you like the car comes out and you're trying to get it back in and you miss out full <laughs> scenes of dialogue, you're like, no. <laughs> 
but, uh, but I, I really enjoyed like the ninety five percent I saw. Um, I, I thought it was an inventive film, and the, the, the you know the kind of diversity I like to see: uh, new mm-hmm. talent, new ideas, twists on new concepts. So, uh, I, I, I was uh, very pleased, and I'm always uh, a sucker for something that like does a smart genre twist. Uh, and you know, I liked it better than us. Good, and yeah, I uh, I loved Nope so much. I had a great time. Um, I, I I felt the twist because it was way too uh, just blatant what he was advertising, and um, my main thing was uh yeah uh, diversity how I like it. I I've been dying to finally just like I just wanted to have black people be able to just be main characters and that not be the point that like it's a black experience. Um, and like I I watch a whole bunch of uh of behind the scenes and they're like really proud they're like yes this is the point we're not doing uh themed race movies <laughs> all the time we're just trying to normalize that like sometimes when weird shit happens it could happen to a black person and then we have an adventure and i adored it i loved it um this is one of those kind of movies where i was so kind of like uh uh taken by it that i'm gonna be buying the blu-ray because like when you do this to me enough then I need to sit down with the director and listen to the director commentary. And that's what I'm going to be doing. And hopefully it's better than Taiko Atiti's director. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 mean, I have to go back to that one to finish it just to see if, like, maybe he, he starts changing. Because I only got through, like, the beginning of that Blu-ray. Um, and I guess my last uh, thing that I was uh, geeking out for mm-hmm. uh, positively um, was... Um... Oh, also one one last thing. I gotta. God damn it! I haven't seen much of it, but that Resident Evil series is so terrible. Damn! I can't get past the first episode. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. I want. I want to go back. I don't know. There's part of me that like wants to see it through the end, but holy crap! Like, like I could not think of like a worse like uh, recruitment thing for like. Uh, like I, I would like legitimately play that on repeat as like a at a KKK recruitment. That that, that was like so freaking terrible. It, it's funny to compare it to like um that and nope. Um, so a thing that I was thinking about uh recently is how and oh and and this goes into why Resident Evil is so bad is that like uh like uh Star Wars is much of a fuck up as DC has been, but Star Wars has uh cloaked itself in social justice every almost every time so that it's not just the nerd thing that gets critiqued so like when it comes to man of steel there's no shielding on it whatsoever or batman versus superman there's no shielding it's just batman superman but like we have like kenobi it has the oh my god reva has experienced horrible racism which was the main story among normal people so that you don't get to care about like the story beneath so going back to uh, please, how did I start? What were we talking about just a second ago? Resident Evil. Resident Evil. It, they did it again. Like, if you put, uh, if it's female centric, then you get like this marketing buzz of that. Then, like, the people who hate it. It's like, a, but if they had just did like um, good Resident Evil with like great action and gunplay, it would have been as possible as popular to say, like, the Woo Warriors, which. No one talked about, but like, We're, yeah, you need like social justice shielding, and I think that's what's doing this so that it gets a bigger boost and shielding from critique. 
it, it's interesting because I did not see any progressives like defending it. They, they, they just sort oh, yeah. of like <laughs> the game's almost you, over. You can you can you can have this one. Yes, the game is almost done because I've, I've like it's been several years of this cycle of like defending shit, and then like after like the the the, the initial heat passes, and all that's left is that horrible story that no one that we we're trying to point out isn't worth talking about. Then they don't want to talk about it anymore because they're off to the next fight, and yeah. that's what also does like all of a sudden like without it like that's millions of more eyes are now on your product with the drama than without it true but it all it does help it so all right so that was interestingly terrible but um the the positive thing i stumbled across that i really like is i found this podcast about the rise and fall of harry knowles so do you uh, you know you know harry knowles is right i i i'm old school internet he's like the first um big name when it came to Movie entertainment news. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ain't it cool news? It's a yes. really, it's, I'll, I'll, I gotta send you a link to it. It's a really interesting, in depth podcast. Uh, I've listened to like the first three, two and a half episodes, and I, I am loving it. It is just like a chronological history about the rise of ain't it cool news, K- kind of like almost the rise of like what the first influencers was and how they were like mm-hmm. able to like get uh, uh, to the level where like Vin Diesel was like going to like one of the writers. Oh my God, you're Quint. Uh, can I buy you a beer? Because like it was like, almost famous it's just like please make us look cool journalists and they became like that but you know there's obviously also a dark side to that yeah uh, and that in a way they did kind of like create the modern foundation of internet nerd culture and then harry knowles was like ousted for like kind of being a sexual harasser and kind of he's always been a bit of a controversial figure um so but it's a fascinating look uh they did a lot of great job of like getting interviews from uh, contributors to the site and people around it. Uh, it, it's just, it yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. It, like, yeah, I, I like, I, um, I, uh, I, I don't know exactly what he did. Um, but like, internet fame can fuck you up so bad. And like, he, he, he made so many people famous. And like, now he's like a outcast monster person. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't Damn. know what he's doing now. I'd have to double check uh, if he has was. It, it, it's interesting because like he was very stubborn. Like uh, I remember Drew McMweeny was like a mm-hmm. big writer, and he never like updated, and he still has that like terrible like Web 1.0 design. Um, but uh, you know, Drew McWeeny made Hitfix, which was like a much more modern movie site, and he found a lot of success. Uh, so so it's fascinating. I, I can't wait to get through it because like, oh, my God, there's so many great insights. Like one of the ones was that like apparently uh, Peter like he, uh, you know, some movie people were actually using it to like fight back against the studio. So Peter Jackson, uh, there were like all these like hit things about Lord of the Rings, about how the studio wanted to change Lord of the Rings. They wanted more female roles. They wanted to make it at only two movies. They wanted to do all these kind of things. Uh, and then whenever these uh, Peter Jackson would face these resistance, he would leak it directly to Harry Knowles himself. Uh, and publish it, and that would sort of use that as like you know I'm going to reveal this decision to the uh, to the world and get the fan feedback, which would give him the weight to push back against those decisions. Damn. Um. I my my memory of Harry Harry uh, Knowles. One of the things uh, I remember was like, uh, yeah, I do remember how close he was to the Lord of the Rings production because like he had an offer to be dressed up as one of the dwarves. Like when they're like saying. This many rings were given to elves, and this was given to the dwarves, and like they raised their rings to the sky, right? Oh, really? I, yeah, Ringo was offered to be one of those people, and he said, "Fuck no! I can tell this is special, and no one needs to see my sellout piece of shit face on the screen." That's oh, what he said. 
it's good that he had that um that integrity. <laughs> yeah, like that quote. He was like, "No one needs to see myself fat ass piece of shit on the screen. This is way too important. Thank you for the offer." And I was like, "Whoa," because I would have turned that down. I'm sorry. Like you have to blur up my face if I'm smiling too hard, but I'm getting in that frame. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he did some good things, some bad things. So I'd highly recommend it. it's a great podcast to listen All to. Oh, in I as soon as possible. Thank you for that recommendation. All mm-hmm. right, um, next person up, right? For geeking, uh, is MJ? M- or do you MJ, have anything else, Lobster? Uh, for <laughs> now, I'll, I'll, I'm sure during your discussion, I'll be like, oh, God damn it, you, you mm-hmm. made me think of something. Uh, but I'll, I'll try and be brief. I always like to make sure you, uh, you know, you, uh, you and uh, MJ get your spot. Gotcha, MJ. We've been geeking on. Uh, well, we're just a week past the release of Sandman on Netflix, and thank God it turned out as well as I was hoping it was going. I I've been hearing good things, thank God. Oh, I plowed through it in three nights. I was so happy. Twenty years of waiting paid off. Thank you, Neil Gaiman, and I can't believe I'm saying this, David Goyer. Um, <laughs> it just yeah, uh, Neil Gaiman. Uh, I, I keep on seeing uh, like he's doing like these uh, interviews and stuff, and he keeps saying all the right things. So, um, but I will say like I was not overly impressed by the first episode. It, Does it get way better? Was definitely a growing pains episode. They were definitely all trying to figure out how they felt about, it, especially Tom Sturridge's dream. You could tell that he was still trying to figure out the character, but you can tell as the each subsequent episode came out, he figured it out more and more. And by the end of good. the season, it was all right. It, it was pretty damn good. Um, just the way they captured the very spirit and feel of the comics was fantastic. They made some interesting streamlining choices and reintegrations of various plots from the comic and for the overall arc for the whole season. But it, it was fantastic. I mean, they gave the Corinthian a bigger part throughout the entire season. They brought Desire's designs against Dreamin as more of a major construct for the season, and it was just awesome. And I thought the casting Damn. was great, especially uh, David Thewlis as um, John D. It's just great. All uh, right. Made, yeah, they um, they didn't make some of the characters as desiccated as they were in the books. Like, John D. was just a basically a meth head in the comics. Mm-hmm. But, you know, David Thewlis is David Thewlis. And they... Um, Actually, let Despair wear clothes. That was probably a good decision. Because in the <laughs> comics, she never wore a thread of clothes. But um, but she only showed up for like a nth of one episode. So hopefully they'll actually give her some more screen time so they can actually figure out what they're going to do with Despair going on for with the series. Gwendolyn Christie is Lucifer. I am Thank seeing you. Despair, and her without clothes makes sense. If you're going to be graphic and very sad. Well, it made sense for the comics in the late yeah. 80s. But yeah. For TV, that probably is a little much. No, 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 no. Yeah. Not like this. Uh, yeah. Grotesque and sad and black and white and just perfectly. But the, in, whoever drew this, like, yeah, they got some despair correctly. But yeah, then, uh, you know, like I said, Gwendolyn Christie as Lucifer. I, I loved her episode. I liked what they, I like um, Kirby Hell Baptista's death. I thought she was perfect for that part. And, um, yeah, I, I even was able to tolerate Patton Oswalt as Matthew the Raven. I was unsure how that was going to work because Patton Oswalt's voice is kind of grates on me after yes. that. <laughs> he he can definitely take you out of fiction. But uh, it actually worked. The, the whole thing just worked. And it actually has me reconsidering some of uh, Gaiman's other adaptations that I kind of didn't really land too well to me, like Good Omens. Like that, if it wasn't for David Tennant, and a couple of the other cast members, that I just would have crossed it off entirely. But 
American Gods is still a dot piece of crap. So screw that series. I heard the first season uh, was decent, but is is that is that wrong? Uh, I heard it like went downhill. Uh, I I I appreciated the first season mostly because Jillian Anderson as uh, media. She was fantastic, mm-hmm. and that's when Noah Howley still had control of the series. But then Gaiman pushed him out because he thought they was straying too far from the original books or book. Excuse me. I loved so, season one, but I haven't gone back for season two. I only watched season two because that was the episode that had the House on the Rock here in Wisconsin, and I never went back because after they left the House on the Rock, this, the episode uh-huh. just went downhill, and I didn't really care because you know Jillian Anderson wasn't there as media anymore. But hey, um, long story short, I'm looking forward to season two of Sandman because if Netflix doesn't renew it, riot, just <laughs> riot. I mean, they they set up season of mists at the end of the first season, and I'm like, yes, I love that arc, and I'm looking forward to see who they cast as Destiny and Delirium, because uh, obviously you don't really see him at all in the first couple of arcs, and yeah, you're not going to see him until season two if they do a season two. So very happy with that. Uh, the other thing, I'm still tripping my way through the works of directors that I'm desperately short on experience with, and the latest one is George Miller. Oh, (laughs) that must be a wild ride considering how diverse his filmography is. Yeah, I was kind of surprised at how diverse it actually is. Uh, My my first uh, admission, though, has to be that I never saw the first two Mad Max movies until last night. Mad Max to Happy Feet, right? Yeah, he did Happy Feet, too. He wrote and directed both of the Happy Feet movies. Yeah, that's always confused me. Don't forget Babe and Babe Pig in the City. Yes, um, those two. And like, I remember like um, when those came out, because like that, that was the era of my life where like the idea of going to see that is just like, I'm sorry, I, I'm not I'm not a child. But like I would go to like the, these like functions and stuff like that. And these grown ass adults be like, man, Babe Pig and the was the truth. Like they they <laughs> loved it. And like, yeah, like George Miller, apparently he doesn't miss too often. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I guess he directed Witches of Eastwick and Lorenzo's oh, Oil, too, and I did not love expect that. One. that. But, um, and yeah, before, before last night, the only movies of Miller's I'd seen was uh, Fury Road, obviously, and I saw Witches of Eastwick, like, years upon years ago, but the, the main reason that I was uh, tweaked to finally start going through his filmography is because uh, I saw the trailer for his new movie coming out at the end of this month called 3,000 Years of Longing. And it just looks like a Terry Gilliam esque trip. And oh yeah, um, his uh, his upcoming film that that looks really good. Yeah, Idris Elba. And, oh yeah, uh, that looks and, really good. Yeah. So. And I'm I, yeah, George Miller is a hard one to keep track of because I didn't know that was him, and uh, he strikes me as like uh, there's a certain thing I've seen in like the best creators where each time they do something they do really want to get wildly different each time, and I was like. But that was like weird. Like, you know, if I was as good as George Miller and I was able to make Mad Max movies, continue to make Mad Max movies. But like, yeah, what kind of mind says done with that? I'm going to make penguins. Now I'm going to make talking pigs. I'm like, how? Well, it, it was kind of, that's what was kind of trippy about finally watching the Mad Max movies last night, because, you know, the first Mad Max movie was his first movie ever came out Ooh. in 79 and then you watch uh road warrior which came out just two years earlier it's almost Giant. like a completely different director did it mm-hmm. he found his style suddenly going in coming out going into road warrior and road warrior is fantastic the first mad max is a little rough 
But uh, that was, that was, I almost felt like that was the first movie he did out of film school or something like that. But I was glad I finally got to see those. Though the one a project of his that I really wish had seen the light of day was his Justice League movie. Yes, yeah, I was gonna say because <laughs> I don't know how steeped you guys are in the uh, whole lore behind that whole mess. But Pretty- oh, wow, yeah, I I I was watching it while it happened, and I, I will say that like everything I was hearing didn't look sound good at all. Like which uh George Miller they really did they they wanted to skip to the end of the line they didn't care about any kind of continuity they don't care who was cast as what they just wanted like everything I was hearing was like let's just make Justice League movie I don't care who you cast so like they're going to just like this whole original cast for just a Justice League movie no build up didn't sound yeah, but it, you look at it now I mean with the years between it and now it it's, it almost has like a Jaworski's Dune level legend to it. It's mm-hmm. kind of fascinating to read through. I mean, they had they're gonna have Army Hammer's Batman. They're gonna have DJ Controna, who's in the Shazam movies now as Superman. Um, Adam Brody was. Wait, 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 wait. Which guy was gonna be Superman? Uh, DJ Controna. He's uh he's one of um, uh, Billy Batson's brothers in uh, the Shazam oh, movies. Oh wow. Yeah, so he did end, eventually end up in a WB movie, just wasn't the one he was originally planning to. They I think I remember Arnold. seeing him, actually, as... that. that that's the George Miller Superman. Yeah, he was going to yeah. be the George Miller Superman. Yeah, uh, th- this is what I was talking about. I was like, okay, I don't know who you are. And, like, all these other people, like, oh, yeah, it's just him. I was like, you look like you'd be an okay Superman. But, like, yeah, just giving you in a line and having a Superman looks like this, would, to me, was like, slow down, guys, slow down. Yeah, it sounded like that was what something Miller wanted to do was just to have a bunch of no names, so that, you know, oh, do whatever he wants. Because he originally wanted the entire production to be shot down in Australia too, since he is, he's another Aussie director. But then that's he started a good idea over that and yada yada yada. But uh, they were going to have the Barry Allen and Wally West flashes. That would have been fun to watch. Oh my god! Yeah, right. they're, they're they're actually going to have Anton Yelchin, who played um, Chekhov in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, play Wally West. Really? Oh, how old would you have been back then? Like, um, been very much a kid, nineteen or eighteen or. Uh, well, he he was an unfortunate loss. He 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 had a lot mm-hmm. of talent. Yeah, then the, they're gonna have the rapper Common as uh, John Stewart. <laughs> that's um, a good call, actually. Uh, yeah, that's a good call. Then uh, the guy who played Toe Cutter in the first Mad Max was gonna be Martian Manhunter, and uh, <laughs> Jay Baruchel as Max Lord. That one, I just. Ouch! Glad that one didn't happen. But uh, this one might you might uh, get a bit of a chuckle out of Keith. Is uh, do you know who they were gonna cast as Aquaman for that movie? Um, who? Santiago Cabrera. No, <laughs> never. Who's that? Otherwise, no, well, you know him better as Chris Rios from Star Trek Picard. Oh, dude, <laughs> that would have been a that would have been fantastic. That would have been fantastic. I would have loved him. I, I now that you're saying like. He's specifically going for a bunch of unknowns so he can do whatever fuck he wants. I love now. Now I'm, now I'm on board. And Chris Rios as a, an unknown Aquaman would have been a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, it, it would have been a fun movie. It is, it's just unfortunate it never happened. And just yep. reading the stories behind what they did try to do and what didn't happen and what eventually undercut it. It's just yeah, it's almost do Elseworlds legend level. Yeah, turn Elseworlds into an anthology brand so that, like, if you want to have George Miller do a uh, Justice League, you can. 
If you want to do anything, you can. And then, like, have your stuff. You can fail all you want underneath Elseworlds. But then you have your main that you're more safe with. Though at this point, I wouldn't mind if they turned his script for the movie, which did leak out on the internet eventually, if they did what they've been doing with uh, the anime movies and make those those the Elseworlds stories. I think that'd be a fun anime. Oh, yeah. Is them finally turned Miller's script into an animated. So, maybe um, uh, shoot, my brain just forgot a good point. That was good to make. Uh, anyway, uh, what else have you been kicking on? Uh, that's about... On to you, sir. All right. For me, what I've been geeking on is, let's see. Oh, um, recently I saw the Lego Summer Adventure because I wanted to further uh, cut myself uh, with uh, Disney Star Wars content. And um, this is like, so like there's this one guy named the first Okiro. He's one of my favorite uh, YouTubers. And he did like a great video about like the tragedy black male fans are experiencing um, with how... Yeah, with how he, how Star Wars has treated uh, Finn has just been devastating. And, like, uh, he posted up how, oh, hey, cool, like, maybe we are giving Finn a little love, and he's back for a epilogue. And it's kind of like an epilogue to the sequel movies. Um, but the, the sad disappointment is that, like, they use uh, the, the crew of uh, the sequels go on the Halcyon uh, cruiser for his <laughs> vacation. I laughed so hard. They actually went to the Halcyon <laughs> Cruiser. They're begging people to please think this is a cool thing. Um, so they go there, and then unfortunately, all they do is treat Finn as a framing device so that they can tell stories about other people, and including a story about young Ben Solo piloting the Falcon for the first time in a story that sounds like somebody saw in an extended universe. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it ends with like dropping off Ben to the Last Jedi Jedi Academy, and you're like, "Ugh, why did I watch this again?" Like, yeah, it it was nice that like on screen they weren't actively humiliating Finn, and they did finally confirm how much he does have the Force, and like he was talking to, uh, like Leia, Obi Wan. For some reason, not Luke Skywalker. I don't think. But did that happen? Anyway, it was fine. It was sad because it's not really a fitting story, which is what fans been wanting. Um, uh, yeah. oh, this is funny. You went there. Now they're not going to do. Although, uh, random question though. Uh, hello, I'll, I'll keep it brief though, because I know we want to get to our main event. Yeah. Um, what do you? Which movie do you think did thin worse, The Last Jedi or uh, Rise of Skywalker: Return of the You know, the, the ninth one. Last Jedi by. Orders of astounding nightmare net magnitude. Like, so, um, what I really quickly, I'll, I'll say that, like, um, JJ Abrams hated what they did to Finn. Like, Finn was supposed to be a main character and he fought tooth and nail to keep everything he could about Finn in there. So that's why you got to see Finn take up a lightsaber at all. And then in the Rise of Skywalker, while it sucked, they kept on trying to give Finn true hero moments and. It's just a shitty movie, though. But in Last Jedi, motherfucker Ryan Johnson went out of his way to write Finn out of the story. 
That you was think, you think it felt like he, he gave him like a lot of time with that stupid, uh, you know, planet um, time. And, and, you know, considering like, how like progressive uh, fucking Ryan Johnson's supposed to be, you yes. thought the Finn would be, uh, you know, his main in, in a way. I don't know. Try to like view it through the prince because I've heard like criticisms. Oh, Finn's a coward. I, I personally kind of like that aspect of him because like, I, I don't know. Ra- random question. Keith, mm-hmm. wh- who do you think of my favorite straw hat is? Uh Oh, Usopp? Yes. I guess I guess the Finn would have been the giveaway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the reason why I love Usopp is that he's the common everyman uh, who doesn't have fucking powers, right. uh, who has to, like, scrap and scraggle. He, he's basically what a- any one of us would be in the One Piece universe. We wouldn't be but fucking... But he's able to push through. Yeah, he's able to push through. And I guess that's what uh, The Last Jedi uh, kind of didn't give him, is they didn't give him a push-through moment. Uh, or, or like an earned hero moment. He kind of had one in the Force Awakens when he like um you know faces down Kylo Ren. You know he's outmatched, but he still tries. Which for any other kind of character who's white, that should have been a sub for a rematch. But <laughs> no, and like so, last night I like um the biggest problem with it was like Ryan Johnson was saying how he can't write underneath those circumstances. He needs more time. So what I was seeing was um, last year was like constantly him trying to section things off so he didn't have to worry about them. Um, so so like you know he gives Finn like a story that doesn't go anywhere, doesn't affect anything, but it's, it's, it's like keeps wheels spinning so that he's on the screen. So they didn't give him anything to do. Didn't like you know if, if you're in Star Wars, you'll build. You're supposed to be building up to being a, a pilot, a Jedi, a gunslinger, or something. They made him do nothing. <laughs> All right. Um, it was a very yeah. ineffective, but all right, go, go on with the other things you're geeking on. Gotcha. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to geek on is the Orville. True Star Yay. Trek. Yeah. Um, and there's a scene that I, I did. There's a comparative scene that I, I'm dying to spoil. I'm so sorry that this I'm going to do this one. And, and, and please, I hope that I am not being uh, holding a double standard because of no. But OK, so in, in Star Trek Picard, uh, they had a horrible time travel story where a character goes back in time, he falls in love, and like he decides that, you know what, guys, you go back to our time. I'm staying here. I'm in love. And everybody gives, gives each other this aw shucks look and wishes him well. And they see what he did in the future. Like, ah, oh, he, he, he had family and died in a bar fight. Good old Rios. And they're like, what the shit? And then, okay, there's, it seems like, it, it seems like the oral. Some like with how shooting schedules are, there's no way they could have known. But there's an episode that does directly, directly address this, where um, there's just an episode where a character accidentally falls back in time, falls in love, gets a family, and like the the crew finds out about it, so they go back after him and stuff like that. And he does give this like incredible speech about like he was facing death, like he was like, and and but he found life, and like his friends were like, yeah. Yeah, we're really sorry for you. We should throw you in the fucking brig, dude. What the fuck are you doing? You're just, you could be destroying the entire timeline. You don't even know it. And like, they had like a, a real back and forth about like this guy having to give up his child and his wife. But like, his friends were like, no, we don't, we, 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 I'll exaggerate with them saying, we don't give a shit about your wife. They actually did. They were sympathetic, but like, there's a much bigger picture. And then, like, they found a way to fix the timeline without his help. And they told him straight to his face, they're like, we're sorry, dude, but we'll be seeing you soon. And, like, they, 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 un- like, it was amazing. 
I've never seen that in one year, head to head of terrible uh, sci-fi story, then directly addressed how terrible it was. And the Orville I would call it terrible. I would call the Star Trek storylines just more lazy writing than anything. But that that's that's the most stark thing about this last season of the Orville and even the previous two seasons, which I binged right before season three started. The moral arguments that McFarlane and the writers actually put into the Orville is like, this is what Star Trek used to do. What yep. the hell happened? <laughs> How you're supposed to be political, where it's just a story where you horrible. from I mean, it. Mm-hmm. allegorical discussions that's what yep there you go like the story on the screen teaches you something that makes you think it doesn't tell you what you're supposed to think so yeah the orville continues to knock it out of the park and yeah i i love it what was the um, what was the best sto- i that we but we need to riot if there is not a season four what, what was the um the sort of like best storyline from the most recent season if you had to like uh come up with a brief synopsis to like uh get someone like cuz i hear it's coming to disney plus so who who knows maybe i'll have to uh fi- finally see see what uh what uh mr mcfarlane's been cooking up since i've been hearing such good things um i i say like my favorite story was when i just said the the time travel one like that was star trek to the bone like they were faced with a hard decision cuz like the guy has basically um he was like hey what did you want me to kill myself and they go yeah we do like this is this is like starfleet is a real job man like you know the consequences and the dangers and i've I've never seen like friends say that to each other but if you care about sci-fi and and want to be serious about then yeah dude like there's no chances you can take you don't go out and get a family you gotta do what you gotta do so yeah. So yeah, that that as yeah, if you're looking for a good hook episode, I think that'd be a good hook episode. But I mean, most of this past season was uh, building a lot of uh, storylines that were started from season two, and I really liked the Topa episodes. I thought they handled that whole subject and the moral ambiguities and arguments back and forth around that, and you know, the differing cultures between uh, the other people in the Union versus the Mocklins. I thought that was a great setup. The Mocklins. Yeah, the Mocklins have been... They, they've done, like, better trans moral stories than Star Trek has. Like, they hit... Like, there's, like, an episode about that that hit me at, at, like the Star Trek episode did about, like, uh, queer and trans people with the asexual race. Like, I never forgot that episode, and finally, like, the Orville made me feel that again. Where... Mm. You go, all right, thank you for that message. The world needs to hear this. So, versus the uh, having Stacey Abrams uh, appear in uh, Discovery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, hey, vote for this person. Like, dude, please stop. Yeah, that was a little on the nose. I thought that was a bit of a thud to an otherwise decent end of that season. But um, the episode I really liked was uh, the one where the culture from the planet that uh, Kelly thought was a god at first in the first season and they kept mm-hmm. flashing in and out of reality and every time they flashed back in reality like a hundred years had passed so after three years when they finally got back into the same reality with the the Orville and everybody else it had been 15,000 years since they'd first encountered him at least in that the time awesome. on this planet and they'd evolved to the point where they're nigh immortal and all this stuff and there was a quote from that episode that I just loved. And it was, uh, the cultivation of the mind becomes far less stressful when you don't have to worry about dying. Mm. It's like, who comes up with this? Lo- oh, that's a great line. I yep. love it. 
And people still probably think the Orville is about fart jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. and, 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 I mean, anybody who thinks that the Orville wasn't a straight-up Star Trek homage is just not paying attention, even though mm-hmm. I, I do understand the whole, you know, Seth MacFarlane means the guy behind Family Guy and American Dad. He's just known for fart jokes. I mean, Once Upon a Time in the West, or whatever that Western movie you did with... Uh, yeah, A Million Ways to Die yeah. in the West. Yeah, thank you. Um, it, it, this guy, everybody knows that's his M.O., so, you know, you see him do a Star Trek homage sci-fi show, you think it's going to be the same thing, and I was kind of glad that they dropped a lot of the off-the-cuff humor that they had in the first two seasons, and they went a little more serious for season three. Well, it, really, the, the whole thing... Writing in season three is just, yes, so great. It's funny how like he used like yeah it's a Seth MacFarlane show I'm gonna be cracking jokes I'm with my ex wife <laughs> and then it was just like his backdoor pilot or Trojan horse yes like just make Star Wars but then sell Basically. it at, or Star Trek but sell it as a um, Seth yeah. MacFarlane comedy show I loved it yeah like when when they advertised it they they made it look like it was gonna be Galaxy Quest and it wasn't even like two episodes in we we're like wait this is just Star Trek with jokes that actually work awesome all right. Um, all right, uh, really quickly, finish up my geeking. Uh, I, I think two more things. One thing would be, um, so there's a career named Issa Rae, and she made a show called Secure Insecure that I loved on HBO Max. Like, a young black woman in L.A., she's just trying to grow up, um, relationship issue, issues. And it's just, like, it hits the perfect tone. Like, it's uh, basically um, Sex in the City, but just for the modern world now um, or, or, or girls uh you yes know, the lena dunham yep oh way better than girls God, I, I used to like that show but that it, it, it got so bad i couldn't look at it anymore let go of your hate of adam driver man let it oh go. man that's only part of why <laughs> only part of why um and then uh so uh she finished that and it was an amazing series can't recommend highly enough she's got a new show called rap shit which unfortunately is so like you could tell that she didn't want to do the same thing again. She's trying to be creative for the new world that we're in. And though the problem, the, the the main problem is like it's the storytelling uh, format, which is uh, basically through mobile devices. So unfortunately, like you keep on seeing these strange edits where like uh, someone's looking at the phone. Now you're looking from the phone, and then to pass the phone to see what they're looking at to cut to the next person who is being recorded. So it's too much. Like you're, she's being way too creative, which uh, I don't want her to stop doing. Uh, this is the kind of failure that I recommend and encourage, but I don't know if I can keep watching it. Like there's too much jump cuts to this phone, to that phone, to this recording, to that social media text is just too much. Uh, do you guys a little too, little too ADD in the in the um, uh, presentation? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like. Uh, she didn't want to do the same thing again, but yeesh. I, I hope she finds the right tone and balance because I loved her art in Insecure. Uh, the last thing would be uh, a, a kung fu movie called The Gallants. Um, I've been, thanks to Karate Kid, my inner uh, martial art movie fan has been slowly rising back up and how much I used to love kung fu movies and, and 90s martial art movies. But this one is like um, a meditation on like getting older and through martial arts, and it's beautiful, where uh, two martial arts students um, have been taking care of their unconscious uh, sensei, who or Sifu, 
uh, who's been conscious for like maybe like I think like maybe twenty years or something like that. So like when the Sensei comes out, Sensei is very very old, and now like his young uh, students are also old, and like it's, they they go back to like uh, the basics of like turning the 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 kung fu studio that uh, into a tea shop back into a kung fu studio, so that they all start practicing together, and then there's this young kid comes along, and all together they start understanding once again the fading world of the kung fu era uh why you love it in the first place and yeah it, it ends with um this beautiful line from the sifu before he passes away he's like um how many times have i told you uh if you if you want to get in shape join a gym kung fu is for fighting and like the the, the layers of metaphors underneath that were fantastic like you use kung fu to uh test your body and your mind and it's the metaphor for how you're supposed to address all of life and yes the gallons i cannot recommend it highly enough it's a beautiful movie uh what when was it released uh i think 2000 what 2010 oh wow, wow. yeah far longer ago than i thought IMDb. yeah it came out uh 12 years ago yeah it's uh i i, I might even go as far as say it's a masterwork it's beautiful so was it the ga- what was it called the gallons the gallants the ah. gallants yeah gallants yeah that's another way to pronounce it yes um yeah so yeah um highly recommend and then really quickly uh i won't go along on this one ultraman decker um uh i love ultraman tokusatsu japanese live action um i've been trying to get back into ultraman but i'm not not finding one that i like the newest one's called ultraman decker and it's fine so far and i'm trying to force myself to love it because i really want to enjoy some ultraman again but i might have to go back in time for older stuff so anyway that's what i've been geeking on there you go good good, healthy assortment of stuff thank you all right all right um so yeah um we're going to end our recording for now we'll see all of you on the side as we jump into a throwdown with a yautja but you know them as the predator but we'll be talking about prey cool all right (laughs) see you on the other side there's something out there I've never seen anything like it. I'm not frightened by a bear. It's not a bear. You think you're ready? Pray. Radar. Only on Hulu August 5th. Watch the full trailer online now. And we're back on the other side to throw down with a predator. All right. So I think to start would be going around the table, talking about like your past with the franchise. And I'll start. Um, so the, my, my past with the franchise is that uh, something I've been wanting to say for a while now is that I think that the most influential franchise besides Star Wars is Aliens. Like after Star Wars hit, like we've lived in a post Star Wars world where everybody's trying to catch up to it. And I think Aliens is the same thing where we're seeing it in like all like video games like Halo owes its life to Aliens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, me like Aliens for me is like Star Wars. And in that I loved like we used to have like me and my friends would come over they they'd come over to my house, we'd be popping the VHS tape and like watching Predator 2 was amazing um 
like for the for the diversity for me um it was amazing to it's very rare that you get to see a black person just get to be an awesome character in the story and yeah dan glover threw down all the way to the end showing a different kind of tough person can take out a predator and um i absolutely loved it uh so yeah predator and aliens have been huge in my life and i was like pointing out to my friend that that's an alien head in the case right there and he's like no no i'm like it is so yeah i, I was like one, i was one of those first kids who were like they're the same universe so all right that's my background with it. oh my other background is like i've uh back in the 90s i was huge into reading all of like the novels and comic books so um i actually like love predator aliens lore so i'm actually a fanboy of the series so um yeah that's enough of me mj what's your background um I never really got an appreciation for The Predator until 1994, which at that point I watched the first movie and The Crow on repeat for about a year and a half. <laughs> right on! I love the first movie. It it I am loath to use the phrase perfect movie, but for me, Predator gets pretty damn close. I it's mean, pretty fucking close. I mean, yeah. the story, the direction, the acting, the characters, the soundtrack i particularly love alan silvestri's score for that movie that's right up there with james horner's score from wrath of khan for me it's just fantastic airtight scores at least that's not written by john williams because all hail um and then after that it's just mainly been uh the movies i've never played any of the games uh i read the first predator comic with uh dutch's brother in it but i never oh god i I, a friend gave that to me and i I was like going through reading it and holy crap that was like such 90s schlock uh i care about (laughs) i I just think it's hilarious to hear you talk about it and then they had like a whole swarm of predators flying over new york city (laughs) yeah this sounds so cool uh was it bad because it sounds awesome his brother, a swarm of predators in New York. I, I only read the first episode, uh, first issue, and he, uh, his brother's name is John Schaefer. He runs into a hunter in the city because I'm sorry, I can't call predators predators. I have to call them hunters or you, which uh, I, I twitch <laughs> when call predators. Hi. Um, but that's the brand, so you have to call them predators. I understand that. No wait. Um, well, why? Why do you not? Yeah. Why not? Why well, not call them predators? That's why. It... Okay. Uh, I'll touch on it later, but that's okay. the very definition of the word predators. It's not a predator. It's a game hunter. Um, anyway, so I've mainly been uh, with the movies, even the, uh, God help me, the Alien versus Predator movies. Um, <laughs> my other favorite was Batman versus Predator. I loved that first series that was uh, drawn by the Kubert brothers, Adam and Andy. Ooh. I loved that series of Bats versus the Predator, or the Hunter. And it was just that's so great. I will have to find that because I'm a huge fan of those brothers more Adam than Andy. Yeah, it's because uh, uh, Adam did pencils and Andy did the inks and it's just and the coloring and, and yeah, the, it's a fantastic series if you've never read it. Oh wow! Um, the subsequent sequels, not nearly as good, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, if there's a Predator movie coming out, I'll go in the theaters and see it. Except for obviously, I couldn't with this one since it was streaming only. But um. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the franchise. All right, uh, Isaac. Um, I, I, I have had a long history with the Predator. Uh, I'll be honest, with the Alien Predator, I'm more Alien 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I love those first two movies. I love the H.R. Giger. I'm always eternally in a search for something that can replicate that feeling of bio horror, which I love about the uh, Xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I wish there were better alien movies or like, but you know, I love things that ape the style like Dead Space. Um, yes. Event Horizon, things that kind of like remind you of that gritty space truckers aesthetic and horrible horrifying bio horror um giger uh terror Th- those are like the things that like you know uh deep in my brain receptors because it was funny i discovered alien when i was like five years old i remember uh with my parents apartment it was on tv and they watched the um last five minutes of it where ripley's facing off against the alien and i was just transfixed like in that scene the alien doesn't do anything like harmful just kind of you know menaces her but Mm -hmm. you just couldn't keep your eyes off it it was like the perfectly designed biomechanical horror uh brilliant creature design that in many cases no one's really surpassed uh, and you're just staring at her in the skimpy underwear. Just admit it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, she wanted to die in that scene, too. Really? Yeah. She not only wanted to die, she wanted to be completely naked for that scene. That she yes. lost the fight to the uh, production staff to not be naked. And she had to wear the skimpy negligee instead. I actually think the skimpy negligee might have been the right call. Well, it's anyway. a scene that it's a scene that works. Yes, um, on so several the, levels. So, so the, the Predator, I the first Predator, I agree, was like the perfect movie. Um, I think the Predator, it it, it doesn't quite have that same bio horror gross out factor, but the, there is always something fun about the creature. Um, in the sense that it is a big game hunter and it treats us like how we treat other animals and skins us and rips out our back spines, which is always kind of fun and terrifying. Uh, it's interesting because like we, we've seen so many different iterations of the Predator. I prefer the horror Predator more so than the hero Predator, which you get in like uh, some of the later AVB comics. And oh God, there, there were so many freaking weird, like it, it seemed like in the late 90s, early 90s, the Predator and the alien was just, did you ever read like uh, Predator versus Alien versus Terminator? Um, yes. Oh wait, I didn't get to those. <laughs> I, I, I do have Predator versus Terminator versus Robocop. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was another one. That was like, oh god, that was terrible. It, it served as like a sequel to Alien Resurrection, where they like the Terminator somehow gets into the future because like Skynet was the ancient past uh, for the Alien universe. So the oh. Terminator Skynet gets in like a program that gets dug up and it starts possessing like modern droids and fuses and makes them bio droids. And then the Predators come start hunting them, and then the bio droids start releasing aliens, and it is just like. One of the most interesting, terrible clusterfucks of a comic I've ever seen. The ultimate quintessential 90s crossover. Let's just throw all this shit on. And oh my god, Terminator vs. Predator was like a four-issue miniseries. Uh, it's I'm fun and how uniquely out. how uniquely terrible it is. While we're talking, amazing. I might I, I might dig it up for you. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, I, I've always liked the Predator. Uh, not as much as Alien, but they've always been linked at the hip. Um, but I've always had an affinity. They're, they're kind of like the, the, the OG sci-fi horror monster. Um, the Predator's the more brawny, while the Alien's the slightly more intellectual. And uh, yeah, uh, I've uh, seen every single goddamn Predator movie, and I probably see every movie going forward. So, you know, I have a great affection for it. I also love the video games. Like, one of my favorite video games from the 2000s was Alien vs. Predator 2. 
on the PC, which was, oh, it was fantastic. It had a campaign for the Predator. It had multiplayer where you could play as the alien, the Predator, and the Marine. The Marine campaign was super scary. You get the smart gun. Aliens are all over you. It's super atmospheric. It's great. It had this, like, great storytelling where you read, like, story logs. Uh, You got to play as the Predator and hunt people. You could jump up in trees. You had the stealth cloak. They even had the Predator numerals. It was super fun. Uh, And then playing in the alien, you could run on walls and go eat people. Uh, You could even be a chest burster. Uh, Great, great, great series of games. No doubt. Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, that was definitely in my era of if I hear it's a video game based off a known property, uh, instant pass. Yeah, uh, most licensed games are shit. And a lot of the, um, you know, Alien versus Predator games are also kind of terrible. But this one was good. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I, I... one of one of the things I love about predators is their sense of honor. Like they won't they won't fight someone who's not like a live combatant. I I just that this like my my love of them went through the roof when like uh, I refused to, to kill that first girl. Dutch understood it and kicked a gun out of her hand. Um, that didn't kill a pregnant woman. I was just like predator dude, you're 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 skyrocketing to the top of my list of like loved monsters or things in movies so but i guess like now um let's uh let's dig into prey um i'll give my journal feelings all right uh for prey i thought it was great i thought it was solid um i don't think it was the greatest since the first it's not close well um i'll say it's not as close to being great but hitting the tone of the first it's it's doing all the right things uh the only thing i didn't like was over the top misogyny. Uh, it's like, like I said, I, I just don't, I don't want that. And I don't need that always in my fiction. Uh, a friend of mine told me a story where she's like, well, Keith, around that age, uh, I wanted to help out my dad and, and brother with some like car thing. And they literally did tell me that uh, you're supposed to be helping out mom in the kitchen. LOL. So I'm like, yeah, I do get this. That does happen. And it does suck. But as a black person, like I see racism on a daily basis that like, even the most liberal person doesn't even know this happens. But I don't need that in every single movie. It doesn't have to be every time I have a black person, I need to have uh, an example of racism. Just do the story. And that's like the, the problem I had with like, because like I thought what I thought they were going to do was um, kind of like a mesh of aliens and, and predator, where like the hunter, uh, the American Indian hunter males would be maybe a cool ragtag group of cool guys and assholes and it'd be kind of cool and like like why they wouldn't allow her is because they care about her safety because that's like how the world was back then so that we could have a balance of like you know assholes who do want to get see killed cool guys who don't um and then like just have her like i i love seeing her train so using the axe with the the, the rope on it the, just, the, the the real life god of war axe oh my god i love that thing so much and seeing her train with it that was really cool. I, I clapped, and um, so yeah, um, I, I I thought it was solid. I thought it was great. Even I'll put it on par with Predators, and I think for me, Predators and Prey have to duke it out to see who's better because like they're they're swappable. And it was yeah, a great entry, uh, not a bad entry. Like uh, the Predator, which man, Shane Black, dude, I don't know what happened, dude. Like <laughs> wow, Shane Black is better than all of that and oh oh i'll never look at that thing ever again that movie was amazing i laughed so fucking hard <laughs> it was like a meme internet movie 
brought to life, especially mm-hmm. when like the, the predators are like trying to find autism. <laughs> this is like the next evolution of humanity. I, I, I literally like that pissed me off so hard. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I, I uh, yeah, please. Yeah, I, I rewatched all the movies before Prey came out, and most of them I hadn't seen since I saw them in the theater the first time. And the Predator, I remember getting so pissed off because you know I have an autistic child, so like, oh, okay, they're they're portraying neurodivergence in this movie. Great, see how they treat it. Shane Black, fuck you. Because okay? <laughs> I mean, because it just if, if they left it alone with just having the kid. As he was, I mean the 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 child actor who played um, the main guy's son, who was uh, the autistic that you know supposedly the Yayucha were hunting for. He he did a great job. I thought he did a really decent job. But mm-hmm. you know, then they had some of the lines from the other characters, like calling the kid retarded, and like I'm gonna come through the screen and punch you repeatedly into your bloody you dumb fuck. And well, like, How okay. did you let lines like was that? Was it wait? Just, what ah. character said it? Because like that's like the they, they do that so that you want that person dead. Yeah, well, there's a line. Which uh, I will agree once again. That that's exactly what I'm talking about with like misogynist uh, American Indian. Like we don't yeah. always need to see that version of an asshole to that kind of a person. We don't always need to see it. So, but it's to, to in their defense, to a bit to play devil's advocate, I guess. Um, I didn't even like the chestburster scene with the kid in Alien vs Predator Requiem. I, I I saw that back in 2007. It made me uneasy, but then I watched it again. Uh, and like being a father now, I'm like, no, don't show oh, that. Do oh, do not yeah. show that. Don't I on the, the kid. Don't show the chestburster coming on the kid. No, don't. Agreed. Do it. Agreed. Oh uh, well, I'll always sort of agreed. All right, so I hate it as well. But look, the only respect I give them for what they did was like, they clearly didn't give a shit about um anybody's like. They had a vision. They wanted to go over the top with horror in a way that was no kids gloves and like how they wanted to get away with like the safe horror that they'd been seeing. And I, I give them props for going for the vision, trying, I won't watch that movie ever again. And I didn't enjoy it, but like for, uh, when you have like corporate, Sorry, I think what? he's going for a Requiem, right? Yeah. Requiem. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Requiem. That, that was- that was just uh, such a generic post-millennial horror movie. It was like every horror movie yeah. cliche from the last 20 years shoved in one movie. Oh, I'll say that. God, like, yeah. The, the, the real quick uh, comparison I was going to say is like, it, it still had like, they failed, but it still had like their vision versus what the Predator, which came out of like the boardroom, like a 15 minute boardroom meeting. Is what I saw there. Uh, so well, the, the predator, uh, like, well, all right. So, um, oh, I can't wait to talk about uh, prey. But uh, mm-hmm. even more interesting is the discussion of terrible predator movies. Yes, um, predator versus uh, AVP versus Requiem is the perfect example of all the things I think I want to see in alien movie and showing mm-hmm. like, I probably shouldn't have them. Um, oh my god, uh, when I was a kid, the idea of aliens, like, being in, like, a contemporary suburban setting, oh my god, that's so scary, aliens building nests, aliens crawling yes. through the, uh, windows and shit in garages, that's terrifying. In execution, it was so fucking lame, uh, mm. it had, like, the worst horror script and the worst characters, uh, out of any of these franchises, like, mm. I just remember Pizza Guy, and it's like, Pizza Guy's the good guy, uh-oh, here's the girlfriend who really likes 
pizza guy and, and oh the bully guys are gonna get uh, rid of pizza guy it just felt like like uh, the same like the dumbest version of like the most basic bitch story structure mm-hmm. out there um and the and, and the Perdalian uh, impregnating actual human pregnant women with multiple <laughs> alien eggs. I'm like, what? I'm, I, yeah, no. like I said, I don't like. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm two of two minds on this. I I also didn't like it. Um, I'm not gonna like champion it, but once again, like the 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 the, the shoulder guns on the Predator armor that was trying to be Iron Man at the end of the Predator it was just like, uh, like who wanted this at all? Like, what creative person was like, this is gonna be awesome? But like. These fools did think being as over top as they were going was going to be awesome. That's the creative respect they get for me. That that makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, like uh, you can uh, fail, but if you're like if you fuck, if, if, if you can fail. But if I see you go all out, that gets my respect. The one the one thing I will give AVPR. Well, here's the thing: AVPR is like a really fucking mean movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you're right with the the, the child be, having the chest bursters really mean. The pregnant mm-hmm. woman getting impregnated and then having the babies is like really mean. Uh, and the interesting mm-hmm. thing is that like um, for mean movies to work, you have to have likable characters. <laughs> and if you don't have anyone you likable, that that, that it just becomes like kind of ugly. But where, one, uh, where have you seen that work? Then? Um, uh, Chainsaw Man. Uh, okay. uh, I, I could give you lots of like uh, things that I consider mean that I enjoy. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is what I'd consider to be a mean series that I enjoy. Um, and, and I enjoy things that are... Game of Thrones is like the most example of a mean series that uh, people enjoy. Ah, okay, yeah, yes. You but you have good characters. Okay, that, that there we go. I, I, I fully... Yes, I, I'm, I'm fully on board with that. That does that sort of make sense? That's the best yes. comparison I can think yeah, of. Yeah, and and, and and we'll get to Frey after this. Uh, um, but yeah, like with um, and, yeah, ABP, I did not like any of those characters. Yeah, but you, you did again, not. The one thing I did like is I liked the kind of like workmanlike predator. How he felt like really like kind of a janitor who was just like cleaner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the cleaner who's just like, oh fuck, I gotta go mm-hmm. dissolve all these bodies. It's just getting out of control. Oh, I'm all alone. Jesus that Christ. Is- that is the one fun thing about Requiem. It's the only time you've seen Yaucha Prime in any of the movies. Oh, really? Is is that like um? Is that their like a planet. yeah? Their home planet. It's the only time. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, because you know he got the signal from the hunter ship that was uh, circling the planet from the end of the first movie that the Perdalian was born from. And he gets the signal. Oh, all right, time to get my job. <laughs> <laughs> time to punch in. in. Yeah, MJ, kind of... what'd you think of Prey? Oh, way to reel it back in there. Um, it was all right. I mean, it, it was a mid-tier Predator movie. I mean, I I have a standing fandom for Amber Mid-Thunder anyway from when she was on Legion, which is mm-hmm. a movie, which is a series I... Oh, I heard that's a really good series, right? Yes. Except for its treatment of people of color, but you know, we'll get to that some other time. Uh. Um, oh, I already had a standing fandom of her, so I love that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's... I like the fact that it was a simplified story. They weren't trying to outdo themselves like the Predator was trying to do and, you know, trying to just expand the world beyond that they could control it. And I did like the little nod to Predator 2 at the end with the pistol. I thought that was kind of a neat little Easter egg they threw in there. But, um, yeah, the... um you know the right? controversy around that? Or you probably saw me post about it. There's I wouldn't even call it controversy. Um, it's just that, like... Uh, in the Predator fandom, there was a comic book about the pistol already that everybody kind of held to the heart because it was a really good story. 
like a pirate, honorable pirate, um, ending up back to back with a predator and like uh, dies and says, take this and hands him the gun. Then that's what he says to Dan Glover when he hands the gun to the guy. And then like, yeah, the, the first thing that came to my mind was like, okay, you're saying that she doesn't hold on to the pistol and it goes back to a predator. Like to me, that implies that she gets taken out by a predator. And I don't want that in that story. I mean, yeah. Look at that, and how often do the Ocha actually go back to the same hunting ground? Even though it is kind of weird that this is the first story. Well, I shouldn't say the first story because the Predator didn't do it either. But, you know, the, the main thing from the first few movies was the Yocha were attracted to hot and climate. Heat. To yeah. go to their hunt. And it's like, okay, I... the Predator, they skipped that. But then that's because they had that whole interior plot going on. that You know, trying to take over the Earth, blah, 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 blah. And then this one... Yeah, the, the, it wasn't the hot time of the year. It was just like nice moderate fall there. It was like, okay, are we just completely tossing that plot point with the predator out? I I had out? forgotten about that part, and I did love, gotta love that. Like you, know, uh, heat wave hits, you, you might have a predator encounter. But then, like, I was thinking, like, there's certain like things in fiction that I'm like, uh, I'm okay if you guys drop that one because I want to have more stories. Um, so that I can have more Yautja encounters. I was okay to let this go. And also, um, you can do a little headcanon on that, because that Predator looked very different than oh, yeah. any other Predator I've ever seen. So it could be a different, like, subspecies that can handle fall weather. It, it is interesting how, like, um, like, now you could probably make the argument, I don't know if anyone's ever going to do this, but, like, we, we've gotten so many, like, different, like, subspecies of Yaucha. I, I kind of wonder how many different clans there are, because in uh, Predators, they had, like, the baseline Predator, and then they had, like, the Super Predators. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, this one uh, in Prey, this Predator felt, like, a little bit different from the traditional Yaucha. So was he, like, a part of, like, a, a sub-clan or, uh, you know, a clan that was maybe outliers from the primary Yaucha society? He is called the Furl Predator. Um, I, I've been watching like lore videos, and there's one last one I didn't watch that I might have said that, but like the director Dan Trachtenberg, he act, he he's a fan, so like he actually did like they he didn't like to say make me a predator and let's make the movie, like he got dorky about it. Um, he's always wanted to see some kind of like biotech combination so that the mask it's wearing is this predator having taken down a giant foe and combined it with predator tech. So they put thought into him. That was a really cool design element. I did love that scene where he like gets like the wolf skull. Uh, he uses his dissolving um, uh, solution on it. And then, then he, yeah, it was a great design. The, uh, yeah, the, the, the skull with the uh, little bit of predator tech and then over his mandibles. It was a great way to like, because you could say that like the predators kind of lost its mystique. Everyone kind of like knows what's under the mask. But uh, yes. this was like a great way to like uh, kind of revitalize it. Um, and then Isaac, your general feelings about Prey? Uh, I thought Prey was fantastic. Uh, I thought it was definitely the upper echelon. I'd say maybe either the second or third best movie in the franchise. Um, I thought it was a really impressive example of like a high concept, low budget, um, but still, mm -hmm. you know, mid, mid mid thing movie where it was just like perfectly uh, executed. I, I did have a few problems. Like I, I kind of wish like some people were saying that they should have spoken in Comanche and supposedly there's like a dub, but it's like dub versus like filming the whole thing in Comanche. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I felt like that because, like, my my complaint is it, the dialogue felt a little too modern. Like, it, it, did, it yeah, it did not feel like this is how Comanches would speak in the 1700s. It, it felt very contemporary. Which, uh, like, I would say, French, you know, it's the French were all in French the entire time, except for the one Frenchman who started talking to Nauru and then all of a sudden talking in English. I thought that was a little jarring. It's like, just, if you're going to commit, just commit. Have all the Comanche speaking Comanche, all the French speak French. Get your shit straight. Uh, I think if they wanted to do it, uh, like the Thirteenth Warrior has, has like a scene I love where they have like um yes. yeah where he's like he's sitting around the campfire and they're speaking their they're native tongue and he figures out yes. their language yeah, that was yeah. and I then it transitions scene every so often that's that, like such a great way to do it um to like sort of introduce you to the, like uh, and then transition over. I kind of wish they so you could have that sort of authenticity and then have like a device uh, to show us that like we're, we're just going to speak in English, even though they're they're speaking their native tongue. Was the 13th Warrior uh, McTiernan, too? I, my, yeah, I, I think it was. Um, it might have been the With, film uh, that got him blacklisted. Yeah, because hmm. uh, McTiernan uh, did that in the hunt for Red October, too, when they were all yeah. speaking Russian on the sub. And there then, you go. Uh, zooming out his mouth, it... And then he started speaking English the rest of the movie. I, I know the same guy. Too. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it was a huge bomb, so it might be why he doesn't do movies anymore. Because you'd think a guy who was like diehard in the fucking Predator under his, um, uh, you know, his directing uh, resume over that he'd be like the first guy you go to action movies. But he hasn't really done much uh, as of late. Yeah, I didn't know that. That yeah, I, I, I guess I hadn't kept track because like uh, when me and my buddy saw Thirteenth Warrior, um, we thought it was amazing. So I, I didn't know it failed. All right, but um. Yeah, uh, the, the the language for me, I uh, wasn't bothered whatsoever. Um, so, like, sometimes I kind of like it when uh, we skip the barrier of like authenticity, and you get to being able to engage with the characters almost on a modern basis. So that, like, I love Tabby uh, Ta- Tabe Tabe. Um, I loved him. That guy was fantastic. Uh, what was sad was like um he was so awesome i was like he's so dead shit like he he's fun every time but like yeah that uh, that was that was the brother right yes tabe he he Um, did have he did have an awesome scene like his final showdown with the predator where he's like shooting arrows at it and pulling the arrows out and shooting it again i was gonna say like i even thought like man i wish he was the main character but no um this underdog story of seeing like someone push through that's more fun than a cool guy versus a predator mj you said something sorry oh, i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry no it, his, her brother was the only other character you really care about in the entire mm-hmm. movie and that's that was the other thing like you were pointing out earlier is you know it would have been great if you actually got to know the whole group of hunters that came out to get naru and try to help her if they you know they're out hunting the Yalucha together and actually yeah. didn't know any of them but instead you only get to know naru and her brother and that's and it. then and then the other one's like freaking punching naru in the face like oh okay all well, right. well the, the, i know you didn't like the excess misogyny i i mm-hmm. kind of enjoyed it not so much for the misogyny but like the um I like the fact that it kind of like made her the underdog. And I also like that the Indians weren't a hundred percent good guys. Yeah. You know, it was funny how they, you know, they, they look great. Uh, they're all, oh, yes. t- they're all models. The, the, the ugly Frenchmen. Yeah. <laughs> ugly, <laughs> ugly white guys. Like, the man, white- they leaned into that. Like I, when I saw them do the ugly, ugly white guy trope, I was like, ah, 
I, I, I mean, part of me, like, you know, in the culture wars, I was, like, noticing it, but I didn't mind because I love the sequence with the, they're in the, the apocalyptic wasteland. Uh, it's, like, completely burned over, and then it just felt like, uh, it, it, that was another thing. The fight choreography felt very Assassin's Creed to me. Mm-hmm. I loved it. it yeah oh yeah it was good it was great i i loved that scene where like at first you think there's just two guys but then it turns out there's a whole bunch of them and then they, they think they got the predator they got it and then the predator just like <laughs> the kills the kills that you had against the french trappers were great especially yes when they were one trap right over his head <laughs> oh i love that wait wait what happened to the one trapper he, he throws uh, the trap at his head yeah and it just, yeah, he just picked up a trap and just threw it like a boomerang right at the trap. Oh, head yes. Snapped his head off. I'm like, okay, that was fun. That was great. Sealed, catap- sealed decapitations. Um, yes, yes. I will say that um, maybe it was worth it for the ugly white guy trope to have just, like, I, I sat back. I was just like, okay, now let's do this. And, like, yeah, the, the, the smoke, the ash, the kills. I had a blast. Yeah, so. that was just a glorious sequence. He's like killing a guy with a shield, and then that scene where they they like shoot it, and they have to reload their 17th century uh, rifles. And um, the, you're saying like low budget, high concept. I love that idea, and it's something I've been begging for to come back. Like we we keep on having like these hundred million dollar bets that like you know have to be safe. But like I was like. Can can we get? And I don't understand the economics behind it because something did change. But like, I just want to go back to yeah. You have this idea. You got like a relatively small crew. Go all out on it. Keep it tight and have it fun and create new ideas. And well, that's what Prey felt like. Well, well it's, the new ideas. Well, well, what's interesting about Prey is um, I was re- I'm reading this book called Disney Wars that I was starting to read over the vacation, and it's basically about like uh, Michael Eisner's reign at Disney and his fighting with Jeffrey Katzenberg and all kinds of executives and all the political maneuverings over the course of like the Disney Renaissance, and it's interesting because I didn't realize that Michael Eisner worked at Paramount and he was like instrumental to like getting um, Raiders of the Lost Ark filmed. And he, he, when he ran Paramount, he had like a string of successes. He also had a string of successes at Disney and his philosophy is that like, let's go, let's stop um, making uh, these ridiculously expensive movies. Let's go for doubles and singles. Let's keep costs down, uh, focus on getting good scripts. And, mm-hmm. and that's how we'll win the day. And it was an interesting manifesto to read is his philosophy that he executed. And it's interesting now, now we're like now it's not so much like giving like 20 million dollars i mean that still happens to like certain uh actors but now it's like you know we we need these 200 million dollars to these like big superhero franchise movies and you got to spend 200 million dollars to give them the spectacle to get in the theaters versus uh this where it's like you know high concept uh mid-tier budget uh, but just executed very well, and it didn't need necessarily like predators storming New York City or a uh, Yaucha storming the White House. It was just um, a predator in the <laughs> woods and, and a girl trying to prove herself. Yes. And, and you know, and, and it's interesting. Some people like you know. There's also like this uh, political discussion about it. Um, you know, the right wing uh, is like ah. Mary Sue, but she's not a Mary Sue because she struggles and, you know, her defining aspect is that she pays attention. She notices details. She notices the detail about, um, you know, the medicine makes you invisible because it lowers your temperature for the predator vision. No, 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 The orange flower. Yeah, you don't like the orange flower? I was cool with the orange flower. No, no. 
it, it, biochemically it doesn't make any sense i mean it, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense that it gives you the sensation that you're feeling cooled off and you're feeling colder that makes sense i mean we do have drugs that do that and you know there are some medi- i mean like ibuprofen has been known to help lower your body temperature if you know you're feeling fe- feeling feverish but for it to totally lower your body temperature to the point where it's indiscernible from your surroundings come on I mean, especially if right. the, you know they're coming in. The the hunter was coming into a moderate climate at that point. I mean, if it was the hot time of the year again, when the ambient temperature is that warm and everything around it's being that warm, okay, then it might make sense. But it, it, there's no drug on the, the planet that would be able to drop your body temperature and mass that low that you'd be indiscernible from your surroundings. It's just oh, impossible. there used to be that kind of drug before the colonists came over and destroyed the environment. <laughs> The American Indians had access to plants. You don't understand, MJ. You yeah, understand. some more mystical smoke up my ass. That would be great. But, <laughs> they uh, also had mystical smoke that we don't have now. It's important <laughs> that we acknowledge this. And this is, I'm not even kidding. Like, this is, they're, they're fantasy versions of. I know. And I like, know. And, and yeah, we got to do the uh, so suspend disbelief so we can have fun in this cartoon world. It, I, I get it. it. It makes, it makes for fun. Uh, you know, it makes for fun drama and all of that stuff, but that's it's it's, it's kind of like um, Topher Grace's wolf and sheep's clothing character from Predators. It's just that minor details like that that can potentially mm-hmm. undercut an entire movie for me. All right. And the orange flower, yeah, that was like okay, that was it looked badass when she took a bite out of it. It's like yeah, I'm gonna take him on, and you can't see me, but like yeah, there's no fucking way he can't see you. He can see you. You're just on drugs. You think you're invisible. <laughs> I, I, I like um, that it was an alternate. Well, like, there's uh, so there's two things. Like, I love that there was an alternate way to hide your heat signature. And then, uh, the, but then, like, it was like, why did you fake me out like that when she fell into the mud where that's how you hide yourself? Like, why, why would you fake me out like that and use that? It was just, it was a weird, a weird thing to do and then end up turning it around and use it as a trap. Yeah, like when she fir- yeah, when she first fell into the bog and she crawled out and, and, she was all covered with the mud and like except for exactly her face yeah and i was like okay you guys gonna recreate the dutch finding out the mud hides his heat signature scene from the first movie yeah and they, and they, and they cut just... back to her washing all the mud off and the yucha wasn't pursuing her at all like okay nice fake out there guys yeah that was a weird that was a weird thing to fake out because yeah yeah I, that was I, odd. I i thought it was clear i mean you're right the mechanics were probably dumb and you could like waving away that like oh the blah 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 predator mask he was using is like more primitive than the ones they use in like mm-hmm. arnold's day and it was reading electromagnetic signatures and that you know there's a billion ways you could sell it I-, I just thought it was the way they introduced it as like a clever way of how she discovers to get one up uh was mostly well handled even if the you know the actual scientific basis is it was kind of dumb Though the, the and I, I think I talked about this with you, Keith. Um, the, the way that she set up the final kill. I, yeah, I can't, believe, I can't believe the hunter would be that freaking stupid because he I, he lost his helmet and he still tried to use his laser guided uh, arm bolts anyway. That was and, way too much. Like they went too far on that um, that Rube Goldberg um, setup of how to kill him, like. When when it was all like just getting to like the the mud, I thought all leading up to that point was fantastic, and I was really hoping the pistol would be the final kill. 
But doing the oh, whole yes. set up the mask to that, 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 I was like, okay, too far, guys, too far. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought that was like, a, a, you know, you could inter- master interstellar travel, but you can't remember that your stupid thing is laser guided. <laughs> that mm. was like uh, kind of stretching plausibility a little bit. I will say in defense of the Yautja that there should be no way, <laughs> like, well, while you're in think of it, you wouldn't think, I bet this primitive can figure out my laser guided thing and then set it up and figure out that I would actually end up here at this exact moment. There's no way that she set that up. So I'm just going to shoot her. Ah, holy shit. Unless they they want to try to explain it away that, you know, he was just in the heat of the moment and he forgot to switch the bolts off from laser guided. So he could just fire them manually toward her. I mean, if he'd done that, okay, he would have still gotten away with it and could excuse the oversight on his part because he obviously had been missing his helmet for about five minutes at that point. But yeah, I just, it's like, okay, way too coincidental. And she was leaning way too much on that being her Hail Mary there to take him out, but made for a fun um, looking kill. So I'll give him that. Um, another, another critique I have against it is, uh, it kind of weird, like, uh, there's like, it, um, Captain Marvel type critique that I have where, uh, they, they do something that they, in the, in the, in the, the way the sentence of the story that they're saying it, is badass and makes her stronger. But no, you're wrong. That, that's not a good thing. Uh, and like the one thing in Captain Marvel was like, um, she's on the go kart as a kid, and her, her father's like, "Slow down!" And then she does it, and she totally almost kills herself. And like, dude, yes, her kid, you should have slowed down. You actually almost killed yourself. Your dad was looking out for you in, in that one moment. And in here, um, she says, "Why do you want?" Your mom's like, "Why do you want to be a hunter?" And they, because you think I can't. And to do something because of what people you don't like think about you is a horrible, toxic, self-destructive way of doing anything. So, um, yeah, that, I, I just wanted to uh, point that one out. Because like when she said that line, I was like, wait, wait, no, that's not a good thing to say. Um, don't teach kids that, please. And uh, then I guess from what I see from the rest of the movie, you don't make a custom hand axe. And wield it like that if you don't love what you're doing. So the characters seem to love what she's doing, but saying that is not a good reason to do it. There you go. Yeah, that's a good uh, minor quibble. Because, uh, yeah, you definitely got a lot of that sort of sensibility. But it's interesting, though. We're kind of getting like this uh, Native American renaissance right now. There's this, uh, there's um, the show that's supposed to be pretty reservoir do- reservation dogs. Uh, that's a really good show. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that it's supposed to be really great. I, I love the clips I see where they like see like the spirit warrior, you know, just hanging out. Um, I hear that's like really worth watching. Uh, like you, and- you've, you've heard of the group that uh, the the guy who uh, co-created the show with Taika Waititi. He um, he's part of a group called the Fourteen Ninety Ones. They've got a bunch of clips out on YouTube, and it's 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 some fun, interesting native humor. Um, I actually know. A, south dakota native and town here where i live and he he got me onto reservation dogs he's like yeah that's pretty much res life man that that's probably been the best portrayal of reservation life i've seen yet when late night in the depths of uh, madison wisconsin somehow i turned the corner and ended up at a apartment party just exclusively full of native americans of madison i didn't know we had that many in one place and i was just like wait why is this happening where am i anyway that was weird sorry anyway um i had a good time though anyway uh Oh, so, I'll have to look up the uh, 1841s. Now I'm really interested. Uh, 1491. 14, 1491s. Uh, but I, I got it queued up. I got the right thing. 
I've never heard of it. And MJ, how did you hear of it? Of uh, the fourteen ninety ones or Reservation yeah. Dog? Yeah. How'd you get? Who passed fourteen ninety one on to you? Uh, I just started oh, wait, looking up just... a uh, creator behind uh, Reservation Dogs uh, just to find out more about him because uh, kind of interested how he came gotcha. about it and how he got came you know the whole evolution of the show. So yeah, you know, I stumbled on all their clips and uh, it's, it's some interesting stuff. Okay, um, the lion kill was, um, I think, poorly done because uh, they aren't doing enough visual storytelling to make complete sense of the kill. Uh, like, Naro has that standoff with the lion, and they do clearly show her make the killing shot. And what I thought was supposed to be happen was eventually we're supposed to get the reveal that she did kill it, but Tabe kept on saying how much, no, he did finish it, and she needed to be carried home. So, like, you guys understand like the timeline on like, or or, or, or feel like it was maybe. A I thought she, I thought confusing. she got like knocked out. Well, one big criticism I'd say, and it was probably a smart thing with the budget, is that all the animal CGI kind of looked terrible. Yes. But obviously, the most of the money went to the predator, as well as uh, you know the shooting locations, uh, which uh, paid off long in a while. So you you could forgive like the kind of iffy CGI on the bear and the lion. I'm always um, okay with bad CGI. I, I'm weird <laughs> like that. Like like no no, just tell the story. I don't care if it looks right, real or not. Yeah, watch Morbius and tell me that. <laughs> I, I, I might. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, I'd just be interested to hear your take on Morbius anyway. But anyway, um, what was I gonna say? Uh, the lion kill is what we're talking about right now. Yeah, like, um, Tabe did admit to her before he died that she did kill the lion. That that was her kill. Okay. Yeah, I, I think like, he said it weirdly. Like, it was mostly her kill, but he still did finish it. I thought, I yeah, thought he said her plan, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But, All right. Yeah, it, it looked like as she was falling away, she got a good, uh, that got the spear into its chest as she was falling down, and then, you know, she blacked out, so she didn't see what else happened after that, but. I guess it's kind of good that they didn't do the straightforward. Like, what I the, the straightforward would have been that she fully killed it, and then he took like the the the, the credit for fully killing it. Versus like it was a combined effort that he admits she mostly did. Which yeah, it's just kind of a weird kind of organic, maybe even more real way of how things might have turned out. But I just I, I'm so used to seeing it more clean that it was kind of cobbled the way I saw it this time. So now the question is now that, you know obviously the mouse is going to be all enraptured now because it preys a hit it's a critical hit and everybody's streaming off like crazy off Hulu what are they going to do next with the franchise? Are they I hope they don't do another Naru story because I don't want one. <laughs> um, like I uh, so with like Predator versus Aliens and I, it's a little bit of Star Wars in here too where uh, if you have an encounter like this I hate if you keep using the same person in these kind of encounters. Um, the Predator 2 didn't have Arnold in it was great to me because I was like, no, like this should be able to happen to anyone. And um, I, oh yeah, I, I want to see Predator versus Cowboys, Cow Predator versus Ninja. Oh, and wait, did you guys see like the, uh, the hint that there's like those final art at the end of the movie saying that the Predators are coming back for the tribe? You see that? Well, my implication is like I thought that yeah I did see that at the end of the credits I, I thought that they would come back and like give her an award or something mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like they kill her uh, I kind of like how they didn't kill Danny Glover they they sort of like respected him and let, let him exactly uh, 
Yeah, because they, they the predators, and that is what makes them interesting is that the predators have an honor code. Yep, they uh, aren't about revenge. Ready. They wouldn't be mad yeah, that you, they took down their bro. They'd be like, "Wow, cool. Can we give, give you something for that? Awesome." Unless they're taking the same bent that they did with Batman versus Predator, because they did because the Yucha did the same thing to Bruce at the end of Batman versus Predator. They're like, "You defeated one of our own. We respect you. We honor you." And then for the sequel series, one of them came back like. You killed one of my boys. I'm coming for you now. Cool. All right. They're they're all different. Uh, but yeah, I, what I what I do fear and think might happen is Naru Part Two, because it seems like like when like people make movies, uh, they do become a family that they want to keep and keep together, and they would be like like maybe unsafe if they. But Little Predator has built into the DNA that it's never the same people twice. Yeah, I, I think the smart lesson to learn from Predator, well, it's interesting because like now Predator is kind of like this um, become this champion of diverse storytelling. Uh, so if you want to keep that, then, you know, there are people all across the world uh, mm-hmm. have other different cultures uh, show off and fight a Predator. Um, as someone pointed out online, I think... Uh, cultural critic i like a lot that like the best way to do these movies is um have like a traditional other movie uh, that could have gone on if the predator didn't come along um for the first 20 minutes and then the predator gets in there so that That that's the idea yeah like uh someone made it like 1950s gangster um with tommy guns and those cars and they all or or like their prohibition era Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Okay, because that'd be the twenties then. Oops, thirties. That prohibition era gangsters with Tommy guns and fedoras and long coats versus yeah, there's a um, uh, feudal Japan. I'd like to see that. That's what everyone wants: ninjas versus predators, samurai versus predators. Everyone wants a feudal J- J- Japan movie so badly, or or imperial China, romance of the three kingdoms with predators. Mm. I'm in. L- Lou Boo, who's been in every fucking video game, put put him versus a predator. Can you still hear me? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I was trying to think like the, the next. Are, are we are we closing up or do you have any like do you guys have any other notes that you'd like to? Because uh, I guess like with how clean and and simple it was, which makes which is why it was great. I guess there's not a lot of detail to dig in and around. Yeah, it's, uh, when you like something, sometimes it's just like, uh, but well, here's my thing, discussion that I'm kind of curious. What do you rank the Predator movies? Uh, so uh, can I go first? Yes. Okay. Uh, I hate uh, the Predator uh, with Shane Black. I hate. I think it's a terrible movie uh, on many levels. I do think it's a hilarious movie for how, how misguided you how much weird, dumb comedy that doesn't work and how freaking goofy it is. But th- that's the worst one. Uh, AVPR just because it's like uh, too much like basic bitch Blumhouse horror movie. <laughs> um, it, just, it just doesn't have the screenplay or the characters or any redeeming qualities other than like some you know really mean action sequences, which I appreciate on one level, but executed without good characters uh, just kind of makes it ugly. Uh, AVP, I don't like it. Uh, I know you do like it, Keith, but uh, yes. PG 13, Paul Douglas Anderson with two R rated franchises. You know, it's a more competent movie than PV, PV uh, AVPR. 
uh, with slightly better cast, but uh, it's still like, you know, I don't like the Egyptian pyramid. I don't think it's a good setup. I don't like the PG-13 action. Uh, I, I just think it's kind of mediocre. Uh, so that, that that goes in like the towards the bottom tier. Um, the next one would have to be Predators, which is like, I, I think... <sighs> That's a movie I really want to love because I think the premise is brilliant. I think the idea of like a bunch of badasses talk taken to an alien game preserve on a foreign planet is, is such a good idea. I, I, I but it, it's just an example of like a great premise with like a just poor execution. Uh, you know, the right writing's kind of mid. It, it, you can't really sell Adrian Brody as like the ultimate action badass. Yeah. Disagree with that. I thought he pulled that off pretty well. <laughs> I, I think he pulled it off, I, but I, it's because me. I don't see him like that. Right, right. I, I, Nobody I just, does. That's why it was so awesome. <laughs> I just just it did not quite sell me. And like, there's one scene that like should have been awesome in in execution, where like the yakuza samurai pulls out the sword and he has a duel with the predator in a, a string of long grass. But yes. like I don't know if they didn't use CGI well or if like the predator suits were too clunky uh and they just couldn't uh it felt way too much like Power Rangers <laughs> than like the ultimate predator duel like it was just too heavy of a suit and they didn't quite know how to like make it work on screen so it, it, when you want just did not great idea just not the good execution it needed a fan film execution uh, yeah, but, it, was missing, it was missing the poetry of an Akira Kurosawa sequence, really. I mean, yeah. the fact that the Mandalorian could pull it off, but they couldn't pull it off for that one scene in Predators. Yeah, it was, it was a little disappointing. Uh, I, I wish Robert Rodriguez had directed it and not produced it like he did. I, I feel like yeah. he would have added that little, like, little, little extra spice it needed. Um, uh, but Those who watch the Book of Boba Fett would disagree, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, th- 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 that's fair. That That's very fair. Um, but so that is thoroughly in the mid tier. Um, now this is where it gets difficult. I can't decide, um, which I like better prey or predator two. Um, I need to watch predator two to give like a more thorough assessment, but for now I'm going to put prey, prey, prey number three. Uh, I think it's the most competent, best predator movie we've gotten. It's single-handedly revived the franchise. Um, it's a good, uh, you know, paragon of diversity, uh, even if it, you know, kind of romanticizes the Native Americans, like, uh, um, to, uh, you know, an almost unreasonable degree, but it, it works, it works. I think the brother was a badass, Naru was a badass, and it gives her enough struggle to, um, you know, make her journey feel earned and not be a Mary Sue because she goes through shit and overcomes it, which is a, a great to watch on screen. And the Predator mauling those French trappers was amazing. Fantastic. Yeah, just supremely well executed. Predator 2, um, well, the reason why I'm putting it above Predator uh, is because it added the most to the mythology of the Predator in terms of the, like, you know, showing off the Predator ship, introducing the idea of Predator hunting other creatures on other planets, other aliens, you know, the famous skull that launched an entire yeah. media franchise. Um, not to mention, it also shows more of the Predator's ethics, like it didn't attack the pregnant woman, uh, you know, it's Hunter's Code, uh, and it's also an interesting setting, because it, 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 like, has that, like, great 90s film feel of, like, Robocop, or, like, Los yes. Angeles is a hellhole! It, it's, everyone, a, it's a fantasy it, landscape to fight on. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a fantasy hellhole, quasi-post-apocalyptic landscape where drug dealers are out of control, and the only thing that can 
put them in check or hard-boiled men with lasers, laser sights on their. I was gonna say is exactly how they all. And all cops have laser sights. And all cops have fucking laser sights. <laughs> I want that gun so bad. You know, I you know, most of the laser sights looked like they just went to a hardware store and just attached a bunch of random plumbing to the guns. But I'm so okay with this. I, I love, I love that aesthetic. I loved it in Terminator. Mm-hmm. I liked it there. I, I like I said, I need to rewatch it to give it like a full assessment. But I do have fond memories of watching predator from a tape i recorded when it was on television and replaying it again and again and i uh, think it was pretty cool and uh you know i also love the scene where like this the army rangers fight the predator in the uh mm-hmm. it, it, it's in always the fun yeah in the meat uh, seller factory i always love those scenes where it's like they think that they've outsmarted it they understand it but the the predator or the antagonistic force is just one step ahead of them yes <laughs> the 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 gut the the, the the thick amounts of blood that dropped from uh what's his name uh um, gary Busey. gary Busey. yeah, yeah. just he, he I, I i have no problems with like it, it threw the disc and cut through everything and got to him then his bottom half falls you don't see his top half fall i'm okay with it uh because you see a gallons of blood just drop from it was so good anyway uh it does make you question what was his upper torso hanging from life <laughs> like there's there's no answer for that it's just too fucking cool not to happen um you know, I, I, you know it, it, like what the hell yeah so uh it, it added a lot to the iconography it's not quite as good as the first one which you know as mj pointed out it is kind of like the perfect movie that's like just perfectly paced uh perfectly structured but you know it, it deserves its uh, distinction uh, on the Predator canon, and you could say people are sleeping on it. Um, and of course, number one, the original Predator movie, one of mm-hmm. the iconic '80s action movies, a film that was put together through blood, sweat, and tears, made the costume work, uh, worked around the limitations. Uh, the brilliant movie that starts out as like a over-the-top '80s action movie, then. Sh- shifts to a slasher movie uh, with the right amount of intrigue and reveals of the Predator with the mask uh, and Arnold losing his squad one by one. Uh, I saw it in theater. I don't think I knew what was going to happen, actually, as a kid. Oh, you must have loved it. You must have been like going, I can only imagine what be like watching predator <laughs> fresh without any of like you know the internet cultural osmosis uh, around it and just being like amazed jesus christ who did that to me i was 10 years old were you scared or did you really uh, enjoy it? my my big memory of it was trauma and uh <laughs> then desire to go back eventually because like yeah the, the vague memory um was uh i am pretty sure we got there late because I, I don't remember seeing like the alien ship arrive at the start so all i knew was the action then fucking shit goes wrong and uh yeah so being trapped in the theater it was it was traumatic but you know of course i had to go back to it um and also do you guys remember the uh big pussy joke oh uh hawkins joke yeah yes my my uh i kind of like enjoy telling this story because over time that joke has become hysterical to me um because like when i first heard as a kid i just hated it i was in the negatives of being offended and like like it didn't make sense and da da and then further as a gun life i still disliked it and it's just like and then like in the early 2000s or late 90s i saw it and it was like i was just like dead to it and it was like i mean it was like several years ago that i heard it and i started laughing 
and then I tell my friends it, and we're, we now think it's hilarious. I don't know. Do you, guys, do you guys have a progression with that joke? What is the joke? You're gonna have to remind me. Um, one of the guys, um, Shane Black. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hawkins goes over to Billy. He's like, "Hey, Billy." So I'm talking to my girlfriend. I say, "Jeezy got a big P. Jeezy got a big P." And she's like, "Why'd you say that twice?" And I said, "I didn't." <laughs> because you know it's big and, and yeah. He even says, "Cause of the echo." And then Billy slowly goes, "Ha ha!" And thus the laugh that you hear the rest of the movie. Yeah, you know? from the oh the, 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 the... that was a great Billy creepy Bell. moment where he records the uh, yes. laugh. And... <laughs> anyway, um, that dirty joke has gotten better with time with me, and I apologize. That makes me a bad person. Yeah, <laughs> that was a fun progression of just hating indifference to in tears laughing through like forty years of life. Anyway, so what's your ranking, Keith? My ranking goes well. Uh, I think it's almost exactly. Oh no, no. Okay. Um, ranking the worst to best is the Predator is the worst of them all. Uh, I saw, yeah, just corporate love. Just it felt so intensely soulless, and I was heartbroken because Shane Black, the guy who made the dirty joke, who was in the first one, we should have been having a good time. Um, oh, in next right. one up, yeah. What was that? Well, Black did Iron Man three, which I was, I was always assuming that the uh, Predator Killer suit that ends up shows up at the end of the Predator was a nod to Iron Man three. Oh God, that, that that I hated that Predator Killer suit. That was so Me fucking dumb. Oh God, in Predator three, Iron Man three, I liked a lot. Um, but going up the list now is next AVP two it was not good. I felt terrible watching it. Uh, I did not have a good time. Uh, they keep not doing AVP as they should, which is freaking Space Marines, Encounter Aliens, and Predators. That's the only thing you should be doing. That's all I want to hear out of their mouth if you bring up AVP ever again. Um, next above that is potential, like I said, Prey and Predators dukes it out. Like At any point in time, I could switch them and it'd be, I'd be okay with it. I'll say Prey next. Um, because I'm going to say Prey next. I'll, I'm okay with being wrong. Uh, Prey was really great. Uh, I love stripping down, getting a clean, uh, almost jungle, but woods. We were shifting up the type of hero. Uh, the hero has a custom signature weapon, which is a thing I love. Uh, and I, I it was like, I, when I was thinking of like the, the, the badass throw axe, whip it back to you, throw it again. I was thinking that, that it's a, it's a shame that it was quote unquote wasted in this movie. Kind of like how I saw uh gun kata wasted in uh in that equilibrium, one equilibrium. equilibrium. yeah the the idea of those two things are so great that they should be like the basis for a hero in some franchise and but yeah i'm glad prey has it um i had a great time uh predators might be over prey i, I think maybe i'm giving it more because of like more of planet it's concept sci-fi more ideas more wild characters uh, maybe, although I don't think maybe if I look directly at it, the story is as good as Prey. So Predators gets like a lot of respect for me for how much they tried to do, although they didn't succeed. So uh, more I talk about it, the more I think Prey is better than Predators, probably. It's uh, <laughs> interesting that you're raising Predators so high on your list. Um, yeah, because ADP is I put that above Predators and Prey. Um, well, I, I get that um, the violence should be R-rated. Uh, Heresy. If, 
Yeah, uh, it, it should be R-rated, and also, uh, also the setting is not once again aliens versus predators should be space marines in space. So, I it just seems like crossing your eyes and like going out of your way to put it on Earth on a, some kind of pyramid and like, okay. So now that you did this, though, I'm having a lot of fun seeing all of these uh, characters and monsters bounce off each other and do cool moves. Like, there's like this fantastic thing where the Predator's stalking down on a, an alien, is stalking down on a Predator. The Predator kind of pretends it doesn't see it and just slashes its face off. I had a great time. The final showdown is one of my favorite in movies, I think. Um, like, where... The, the the woman she gets a freaking alien head for a shield and a spear and they go toe to toe with the freaking queen. queen alien and like that shot of them running with like there's like I figure it's like it's like a make a bit a whale skeleton they're running through that the, the queen's bashing bones out of the way as it's chasing them down. God damn like yeah like when I revisit it for me AVP is still that good. So um then we go back to Predator 2 which uh, once again, easily equal to the first one. Um, I usually hate sequels that just completely redo the formula again, but they remixed so much that it felt great and then made the world bigger. Like when it first starts, I'm just like, uh, I, I think the first thing that came to my mind was like, alien, uh, predator attacking the city. What? But it starts up with record heat wave. I'm like, uh oh, uh oh, you guys do care. And then they lay it down. Then you got like basically a RoboCop setting of tough cops with laser sights and King Willie. Uh, there are so many good scenes, so many great shots of in that movie. It's just it, it's almost masterful. So that is close to number one, if not. And then you have Predator, the one that started it all. That um, just yeah, like when in the theater as a kid, I watched it and. Didn't know what was happening. It was horrifying, genre busting. Because I think, like, I think the reason why I got to see it was uh, I was a big kind of gun movie Arnold fan. So I thought that's what I was seeing. And then, like, next thing you see, people's, you like, you don't even know what you're looking at, like a pile of skin, guts. What the hell? But yeah, Predator was amazing. MJ, your ranking. Put on the list, AVPR easily for all the reasons i already mentioned because mm-hmm. it's a flaming piece of shit i don't mm-hmm. know how it's ever released but you know they've got to expound on the ip somehow uh next above that the predator because despite what i said before about the shittastical depiction of neurodivergence and actually understanding it mm-hmm. um you guys were decrying shane black's script for it i actually the second time around watching it I actually appreciated it more because i love the jokes that he had put in there especially the one with uh explaining how calling the predator a predator is just the illogical construct please tell us why well because it's a whole exchange between um olivia munn and sterling k brown towards the beginning of the movie and olivia munn's like why do you guys call it a predator and they're like because it sounds cool She's like, but it's not a predator. A predator hunts to survive. These things are coming here as game hunters. They're just here for sport. They're not, by definition, predators. And then Sterling K. Brown comes back to her and says, no, we don't care. It just sounds cool. And everybody's like, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we don't care. That, that, that is so true. Much. Makes sense. Makes sense. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's just a bunch of other random exchanges between the characters in the movie that I, I, was, I was laughing. I was gut laughing at some of them. It's like, it's still an incredibly stupid corporate mill of a movie, but I enjoyed it more the second time around. Okay. Uh, next one above that, AVP. I'm, I, I have this pre-standing thing as Paul W.S. Anderson movies. I don't know what it is about his directorial style, but it's like down there. I mean, it's between Michael Bay and Uwe Boll for me. I don't know why. I'm like, it's competent. It's not you don't like Mortal Kombat then? What's that? You don't like the first Mortal Kombat movie? The first it Mortal is, Kombat movie? It is what it is. And oh, wow. Uh, okay. It, 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 I, I agree with that in the sense that, like, the first Mortal Kombat, it's not a great movie, but it is probably, like, the best use of Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, talents. For yeah, what it I, is, where I want from those kind of movies, I would yeah. go as far as to call it great. Yeah, because, I mean, other than that, I mean, you got the Resident Evil movies he's directing, and it's just like, hmm. yeah. It's... You're right. <laughs> I, I fully agree wow. with that. Okay, uh, I guess, like, because, so like, I was like, I guess all of his movies, I like two of his movies? Yeah, so I mean, yeah. Other than that, yeah, it, it was it was competent for what it was for being a IP genre movie. But yeah, then above that, um, Predators. Just because I love, I'm like you guys. I love the concept. I love what it could have been. I will never forgive Topher Grace for being an actor. I just can't. I I think he's a terrible actor. Oh. And the way that, <laughs> and here's here's the thing, and I had to think about this more after I watched Predators again because. On paper, his character should have worked. I mean, him, but the, the fact that none of the other guys that were, or people that were stuck on the plant with him, even remotely questioned why he was there, and they just passed it off as a mistake by the Yucha just grabbing him, thinking that he actually was another um, predator on Earth. It's like, no, it, 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 you, should, you guys should be questioning why the hell he's there. And then mm. when he did come out, you know, when he did shed his disguise and was like, ha I'm a wolf to um, uh, <coughs> Alice Krieg's character. I was like, wait, or, or what is, uh, whatever her name is. I'm forgetting the actress's name right now. But um, right. coming up, I mean, coming out and revealing who he actually was at that moment. Like, why is he doing it now? How is that actually contributing to his survival from the situation? They're just going for the whole mustache twirling. Ha, I'm the big bad villain <laughs> moment. It was just it was badly played and it totally undercut the whole movie. That and they criminally underused Lawrence Fishburne. I thought they could have done a lot more with his character in that movie. As cool as he was, as it was. But uh, then after Predators, um, Prey, Prey is pretty good. I mean, it's I thought yeah, like you guys were saying, it's, it's a good revival for the franchise. I really hope that it does light the fire under them to actually put more effort into decent movies instead of making more the Predators. But um, and after that, Predator Two, uh, for you know, again same reasons. I mean, it actually expanded the mythology of the Predators a little more and helped you understand more of who they were. And then, obviously, number one still in my, actually in my top five all time is the first Predator. So, all right. Um, yeah. Final word. Do we want to do final words on Prey? Or do we, we so. hitting else? All right. Uh, Isaac, final words. Uh, I thought Prey was very good. Um, it was like above average uh, kind of movies, the Michael Eisner formula. Uh, good, solid hits, good concepts, not made with brand name talent. Uh, and uh, it hit the uh, nail on the head of 
be. Uh, so I was very impressed. He, even the critical drinker gave it a backhanded review. So yep. he, you know it's good when it forces him to even admit it's despite his. Well, it's it's funny. I always find that like now that they're like all these knives who are trying to like go after his throne. Um, but he, he, he doesn't get in drama, so that's why he can get someone like Mark Miller or the, the, the directors of Batgirl to come and talk with him. Uh, I haven't seen anyone going after him. No, no he, a little bit. Uh, people are like, oh, he's such a shit. But, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, the fact that he gave, uh, you know, a begrudging thumbs up um, just goes to show you that it was uh, well made and had enough Predator being demolished action uh, to satisfy even the uh, right-leaning people. So I, I think it's a hit, and I'm glad to see that it's seeing success. And um, I hope people take the right lessons from its success. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, my MJ, your final words. I'm, ca- I'm very curious to see where they go with it because, I mean, this was a step in the right direction. Just actually try to pull it back in and try to get back to what you can do with the Ayucha against the pre- the other uh, hunting on Earth. I guess something I'd actually like to see in addition to the other time periods that they could potentially have the Ayucha show up on Earth is actually show what else the Ayucha actually hunt. Because, I mean, that's the other thing that's really been missing outside like that one creature that showed up randomly in the middle of Predators that almost seems like that was a, a creature they captured from a previous hunt and was still surviving on the planet. I mean, the, the humans can't be the only prey that the Eocha go after, and I guess I kind of like to see some more mixing up oh. of species being hunted along with the humans, and humans having to team up with other worldly species to try to survive the Eocha's hunts, and you know, just start remixing it more. District you know, 9 meets uh, Predator. How cool would that yeah. be? Yeah, yeah, just something like that. I mean, like you said, Isaac, I hope they take the right lessons from this. I mean, even if they do have Amber Midthunder in as another, for another movie, but they have her, like, with a family, and, you know, she goes, oh, God, they're back again. And, you know, maybe her son rises up to take them on or something like that. I wouldn't mind that. And, if, I mean, if they're going to go after the whole sequel to explain how the rifle, the uh, pistol ended up in the hands of the Uicha for Predator 2. I mean, just stuff like that. I mean, just as long as they're smart with how they go about the franchise from this point forward and don't let the Shane Blacks of the world shit out another thing like he did. Uh, let's see. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I love um, versus movies. Uh, like, there's, um, there's a movie called Pathfinder, which is American Indians versus Vikings. Uh, there's Outlander, which is uh, Viking. No, no, yeah, Vikings versus Space Monster is really good we gotta review that sometime and now we have uh, american indians versus yaucha and like to me like uh, american indians have like the perfect base level power level uh which is a thing i, I wanted to address like so naru quote-unquote sucks but on the base level of being a fantasy american indian like you're still way above everybody else so you still have like fun powers that you get to play with that still are outmatched by the predator so like, the, the, the dynamic of like seeing that kind of a character thrown out with the prayer was so much fun. So, uh, yeah, I had a great time. Uh, I didn't like the over the top misogyny, which really takes away from me. Cause like, it just stinks of like what we're just currently seeing in, in fiction lately. I'm just like, please don't not in here. Um, but I mean, okay. it Sorry, did work. Yo, yeah, please. Yeah. Just one, one quick thing on that point is, was it so much the misogyny as it was for Europeans to regard for the natives? I'm not sure what you mean. 
Well, it's been known throughout history that most of the European settlers, I mean, the fair amount of them, they are here just for profit and not exactly mm -hmm. like the uh, missionaries that came over here to spread the word. I mean, they, they regarded the natives with such disdains, like, okay, oh. you people are here, uh, get out of our way. Uh, if we're going to run into you, we're just going to treat you like complete and utter shit and try to wipe you out. I, I, think, well, I, I didn't I mean the French guys, I meant like the, the hunters that she was with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, okay. I wanted to, like, I really old. wanted to have them, like, there's little bits of DNA that keep on happening, such as, like, seeing other type of, like, like, they've been trying to duplicate the, uh, the Marine crew from Aliens, and I was kind of hoping the American Warriors would get, American Indian Warriors would get that treatment. Like, you, you, you have different eras of different worlds where you can have crews of, like, so warriors and soldiers, and I just really wanted that. And so they made them, ha ha ha, you can't hunt punch in face, which does serve a good story of continually making her an underdog that was satisfying to see her overcome. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, with you. I mean, like I say, it would have been great if some other characters, at least two or three others besides Naru and her brother, would have had some developments they could care. But mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, but, in the end, uh, I, I do wonder how much this has revived the franchise and how well it would have done in the theater. Like everybody's like saying it's their favorite Pred ever that they could see it for free, but like yeah, how would this have done in the theater? And... I don't think it would have done well. I think it would have maybe like maybe made forty or fifty million most. Um, yep. I, I I think uh, that it worked really well because you had access to it and uh, you could try it without having to, go to the theater. I don't think um, uh, it would have done well. I think this is an example of streaming boosting it versus uh, taking it away, uh, which is the problem that I think is like they wouldn't invest in it. Like, like, like what we want is like, I, you know, uh, Predator versus Cowboys, Cow Predator versus Space Marines, Predator versus Ninja in a theater. And I, I, I guess I'm not sure. I don't, I want to feel like how much of a success this was does mean that we are going to be getting some motherfucking Predator in the future. But I'm not sure how assured that is and if they would actually try. So, like, from what we're seeing here, the only thing that Hollywood would say is, like, well, we know Dan Trachtenberg and Naru makes money. So any sequel, I think, might be more Naru and Dan Trachtenberg. And uh, Dan Trachtenberg, I do like him a lot. I love his path of creation where he... He was a YouTuber, like uh, early. Yeah, YouTuber. I, I learned about that. Apparently, he was like from the early ages. Totally rad show. Totally rad show. Yep, I didn't watch that, but I followed his uh, his partner there, a guy named Jeff Kanata, for many years. So it's really cool to see that like he rose up from just being a geek to doing like feature films that everybody's talking about. And I liked his last movie, Cloverfield Lane, and. He's my friend on Facebook. We don't know each other. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, like, I, I just like Rad Guys. I think he was on, like, a podcast, and, like, I really liked him. So I kind of wonder if he's ever seen, like, my opinions. I've been posting up about Bray. Um, what, oh, one other thing I really enjoyed is that scene where they're, like, her and her brother are running through the tall grass. Or was it a brother? Well, she's running through the tall grass. No, nope, it's a dude. All right, it was just a dude. And yes. the, the Predator is just, like, booking at it, and he's just, like, going through... I, I love tall grass scenes. Uh, ever since, um, ever since uh, what you call Jurassic Park, Lost World with the tall grass. Yep. Yeah, the, I love people being stalked through tall grass, and the, I think that is a contender for the top <laughs> tier of tall grass running away from menacing uh, things uh, uh, scenes. 
Because like when it gets to one guy, he just explodes in blood. Yeah, uh, in just, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to... Anything else we should cover? I think that, uh, you know, uh, we're at a good time. Uh, we, we, I think we talked about it a lot, but still, now I have still time to go to the gym. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, MJ, where we can for you, my... <laughs> Trim over my words, word. Oh, my God. I'm still tripping over my own words. All right, MJ, where can we find more of your work on the Intertron? Uh, on the Intertron, I am MJ3342 on the Facebook and the Instagram, and still working on getting out there and other platforms. He is E-M-J-A-Y, not MJ, right? Yes, thank you. Yes. Cool, no problem. And, and then, Isaac, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? Uh, you can find me at Lobster Magnet Review on YouTube. I just put out a, vi- a video about the Ripperverse, the current state of comics. A nice little chunky 30-minute video. I hope you go watch it. Uh, right after this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Keith, I'm dying for your thoughts. I, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. Can't wait. <laughs> All right. And you can find me at uh, Keith Hayward on the Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Keith Justice, I think, on the Instagram. And uh, you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Also, I found I finally figured out a catchphrase to end the podcast on all right so thank you for listening geek out (laughs) yeah 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 you like that all right (laughs) thanks for listening we're out geek out Yeah.